Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. My thanks to uh, Mick Mulcahy and to the team for the last uh, two weeks. Nice to be back. Um, and my God, huh? It would have thought that six months on we'd be still caught by the throat of COVID-19. I mean, you know, I remember back in, in March, in the middle of March, we were discussing it here and say, listen, we'll get through this and we'll be out the gap and out the other side of it by the middle of June. And of course, now we're, remember back, back March and April, we were talking about this resurgence that would come again then in the autumn. And on top of that would be, you know, the, the flu problem and everything like that. And here we are and the papers are discussing stuff like that. And an awful lot of people have made massive sacrifices and there's still more to come. Front of the mirror, this morning talks about uh, things like Halloween being axed, um, Christmas being very different, New Year's celebrations will be axed, and of course, of course, for people uh, involved in the entertainment industry, whether that's pubs or hotels or bands or disc jockeys or people who kit out events over Christmas, their businesses will be decimated, and God knows, uh, you know, uh, every little bit of help they can get is needed. I'll come back to that across the course of the morning, but sick or treat is the front of this morning's um, mirror, they say Halloween faces the axe because daily cases rise. It's the highest now uh, since uh, early April. Now, thankfully, we're not seeing anything like the deaths across April and May. But the worry is that that could follow. So four counties now, and the examiner reminded us this morning, have been put on level three alert. This is an alert and Corker in there with Wicklow and with Galway and with Louth. And I figure that by Thursday, certainly around Thursday or Friday, Neffet will make a decision as to whether or not the likes of Cork will follow Dublin and Donegal into Level 3. Fingers crossed if it doesn't happen. Uh, but, you know, we've had uh, 430 new cases yesterday. Um, and on Saturday, 248 with five deaths. Uh, so unless we get a handle on this, um, four counties will join the other two and Cork will be amongst them later in the week. We'll have to wait and see. All of the papers break down the figures today uh, with regards to Cork, Galway, Louth and Wicklow. And they're looking at our numbers on a daily basis. And they're also looking at the age profiles as well of those that, you know, you're looking at 15 to 19 year olds, 19 to 24 year olds, 24 to 29 year olds. That's the kind of age profile where the big spikes in COVID-19 positive testing is coming out. The um, Issues then involving students and colleges being back dominates the examiner as well because the uh, acting uh, interim president of UCC, John Halloran, uh, has said that they will consider uh, expulsion of students uh, who party uh, or break college guidelines this week for Freshers' Week. So I will come back to that because the Students' Union uh, are not happy with it. They're saying, uh, surely, uh, you know, this won't happen. Uh, surely there's a better way of looking at this. Uh, Students' Union have refused to cancel virtual Freshers' Week despite pressure from the college. I had wanted to talk to the Students' Union today, but there are meetings all day. And when I say there are meetings all day from 9 o'clock today until 6 o'clock this evening. So if that changes, uh, I may well come back to them. Um, meanwhile, uh, the issue with the front page of the Echo deals very much with uh, those people who uh, spend their lives in awful conditions in direct provision. Uh, we know of the issues involving direct provision over the past six months and the amount of people who tested positive at various locations. And the Echo this morning says that people living in direct provision centres in Cork, particularly up on the Kinsale Road, are afraid and anxious 
after the outbreak of uh, COVID-19 was identified there. So that's a front page story. And of course, as COVID rocks on, so does issues involving flu. And doctors are now concerned about increases in different contagious diseases as we head in uh, to the weekend, into the weekend, hear me, into the winter, whether that's MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, throw into that as well flu. Now, I know it's a very alarming thing to be saying at the start of a week, but, um, you know, the doctors now are saying you need to get your flu shots as you head into uh, winter. Mind you, I know of people who have been looking for flu shots and they can't get them because there's still none around. Uh, maybe it's just that little bit too early. But down in Middleton, I think, down in East Cork, the Echo says that they're organizing a drive-in flu shot clinic where you literally drive through and get the vaccine so we can get enough of it because there are long waiting lists now for lots of different medical procedures in Ireland and indeed in Cork, where this morning the Echo says tens of thousands of people are in hospital, are on hospital waiting lists for operations, not just operations, but even a consultation or a meeting or an outpatient's appointment. Uh, so it's going to be very worrying as we head into the winter time. And on top of that, uh, while I was away, I was watching very carefully how the government, uh, Micheál Martin uh, and Fianna Fáil, with the blessing of Fianna Gael, of course, and Labour, cut the pop payment from €350 Euro to €300. Euro. And, of course, that should never have happened. We all know that. And regardless of whether you agree with the policies of Sinn Féin, I don't think there's anybody out there believes that cutting the pop to those that need it most, going into one of the most expensive times of the year with Christmas and heating bills, and a lot of people have renewals of various things coming up that they wouldn't have uh, maybe anticipated, house insurance, car insurance, things like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's such a small amount of money, but it's hugely important to people that don't have it. So they're doing that actually at the same time when uh, you have uh, the likes of um, uh, TDs uh, and senators and civil servants getting their annual 2% pay increase. So more on that. Trump makes many of the papers today. He wants um, Biden to take a drug test. And the Times tells us this morning that in the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency, he paid $750 tax each year. Federal tax, that is. They have different types of tax in America. Of course, Trump's come out now and said, it's not true, it's fake news, and he'll prove it to be fake news. And a couple of upside stories then, just on a lighter note. Uh, COVID-19 has seen a boom in plastic surgery. I think it's because people just had too much time to be looking at themselves in the mirrors over the past six months and decided that they had a few bob and they were fed up of looking at this part of them or that part of them and they went out and they got stuff done. So cosmetic surgery has boomed over the last six months. I suppose uh, a lift here and a, a tuck there and, you know, a crow's feet in another place. But <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many people have put on weight uh, during the last six months, particularly if you're not able to do as much kind of physical work or if your job was of physical nature and it was curtailed and you're working at home. Daniel O'Donnell, <laughs> I love people who are very honest or take the Michael out of themselves. He says, I love, stay- I love staying at home, but I've put on 10 pounds. Now, I know that's not the greatest Daniel O'Donnell impersonation of all time, but he's put on 10 pounds uh, during lockdown. It's like, you know, it's like you go on holidays for a fortnight and you come back. Says he. <laughs> says he. Bang in his stomach. Oh, and when you can get back out properly and start flirting, right? Chatting up. Assuming a lot of that is on hold for many people. The mirror, the star this morning says the researchers have now discovered for the you guys who just can't connect with the ladies, you're missing out on the signal. There are signals that women are giving you. 
They're flirting with you and you're missing the signals. And apparently researchers are saying the figures are, or sorry, the signals are, um, when, when the woman kind of, I'm doing it here now. Can you, can you see me doing that? She's kind of like tilting her head sideways at you. So features include a head turned to one side and then tilted down, a slight smile and eyes turned towards the target. So they tilt their head to one side, tilt their head down, they smile and they give you a look. That to me actually is kind of more reminiscent of a glare. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. So you've got to be looking out for the signs, lads. And and I imagine somebody's going to come up with research as to how the women would be able to pick up the different face signs or body signs when a man is flirting at them. So we'll watch that for part two. Anyway, lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. Our lines are open. So I did mention a couple of issues there earlier on, and I know that these things have been happening over the past week or so. But uh, you got to put things in perspective. And if you weren't aware of it, TD salaries are now higher and Celtic Tiger Tiger levels. Uh, perhaps you were talking about this. I'm sure that Mick Mull dealt with it. But it all, it's all knitted into one bigger story now because the 2% increase that Doyle deputies got brings their salary now to over 100 grand. That's not including their unvouched expenses and mileage and all sorts of stuff like that. Senators' pay goes up as well. And the ministers waived their increase but 340,000 public servants um, got their latest 2% increase. It happens automatically every year. At the same time, of course, the government um, cut the pub support uh, to people who need it most. And that, for me, was the cruelest thing to do. I just could not believe that anybody would be so cruel. But I mentioned that only because it was also reading at the weekend, talking about being disconnected-like. Um, We now have more special advisors advising Irish politicians and ministers and junior ministers and super junior ministers than ever before. There's 64 of them now, 64 special advisors. It costs three million. Now, some are suggesting that that's only a drop in the ocean, but three million euro is three million euro. If it was in your bank account, you'd know all about it. Uh, But the examiner had an interesting story on it over the past few days where um, even junior ministers now have special advisors. But what's extraordinary about all of these special advisors is none of these jobs are ever advertised. You know, it's, it's, it's very kind of cloak and dagger, these appointments. But what's very, very interesting is that Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar now have six advisors to assist them. Like, what happens when the advisors don't agree with each other? So they got six each. But extraordinarily, the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, has eight. Eight advisors. So, I only mention all of that at the same time they cut the pub payment uh, by 50 euro a week. Uh, and that, I think that's important and it needs to be said. Uh, lines are open at 1850 You can text 086 8104 and uh, pick up the phone. Um, a lot of social media activity with lots of different photographs regarding communion parties. They're saying that communion parties are one of the reasons why uh, COVID-19 numbers are going up. Uh, various other types of socializing activity like that aren't helping either. Um, but there's an interesting email came in at the weekend. Um, as you may have been following the news over the past couple of weeks, you will have seen the Cork has seen a major rise in COVID-19 cases. 
Yesterday's increase really scared everyone. Uh, last week, a doctor based in Donegal said a surge in virus cases had been linked to communion and confirmation parties. I'm no doctor, but I can tell you that the rising cork has to be down to these types of parties. I live in the north side of the city. I was horrified when I saw a marquee set up right in the middle of an estate green area recently to host such parties. The residents had no say in the matter. Up went the marquee. This now was something like out of keeping up with the Kardashians. I have friends in that estate. I live in the estate next to it. And they said the parties didn't stop till 7 o'clock in the morning. Over 100 people have gathered at it. And the music was blaring. Some of my friends didn't get a wink of sleep and had work the next morning. When one of my friends was coming out of her drive to attend a 12-hour shift, the party was still going on in the marquee. Drinks were flowing. I also believe that people came to these communion parties from the UK and never, ever isolated. I'm also told that there were kids drinking alcohol at some of these parties. I mean, 10 and 11-year-olds. Incidentally, I was sent a photograph of a small fella. He looked no more than 8 or 9 or 10, and he was drinking a bottle of what uh, looked to me like Copperberg cider. Anyway, there's been thousands spent on alcohol at these parties, I can tell you. The off-licenses in the area were never busier. Some of these people don't even work. But of course people will always have money for drinks, won't they? We need to shut these off licenses. We need to restrict the amount of alcohol one person can drink. These marquees are also being used for weddings, confirmations, any party really. It's nearly every second night now at this stage. The other night again in the early hours, the fireworks were coming from uh, not too far from where I live. And it's all over Facebook for everyone to see. If I had this at my back and had parties every night, I'd get into the height of trouble. But it seems one rule for one and one rule for everyone else. Also, do they not realize all of the children are going to the local schools the next day after partying with hundreds and no social distancing? Is it any wonder the cases in Cork have shot up when people are behaving like this? And by the way, many parents should be ashamed of themselves for the freak show holy communions that they've become. Spending thousands on dresses for these young girls for what is a holy sacrament. I bet some of these parents couldn't even say the Our Father for you. I wonder when was the last time they were even in a church. They go out for the big day. They use their daughters and show them off like peacocks. Carriages and horses and dresses weighing more than the girls themselves. What have we become? It's time the guardie were given the powers to shut down such parties happening. But again, some people are just a law unto themselves. All I'd say is this. I hope your marquees and big days off. Uh, I hope your marquees and big day out showing off are worth it, folks. As thanks to ye, we'll be going into lockdown by the end of the week. I'm a fed up homeowner and hard worker on the north side of the city, says D. Came in to me last night by email to neil at redfm.ie. So your thoughts on that are welcome, lads. Text 0868104106. I wonder what Father Tom Hayes has to say on the matter. It's his job uh, to keep the diocese under control as best he can, along with the bishop, I suppose. Father Tom, good morning. Morning, Neil. Don't don't make me an, an advisor anyway. <laughs> All right, well, you keep the show on the road. How's that? Will we agree on that? <laughs> yeah, can, I, can I just ask you first? Um, I heard that because of the potential to go into lockdown at the end of the week, that many people are rushing to change um, and to uh, speed up the communions to get them in in time. Is that right? There may be one or two, Neil, to be honest, but um, my understanding at the moment is that the vast majority of the ceremonies have actually been celebrated across the diocese. Uh, We have 68 parishes that run from the Middenhead to Watergrass Hill, including all of the city and suburbs. 
<coughs> believe it or not, there's probably 2,000 children making their first Holy Communion in these weeks and months, which is an awful lot of families, an awful lot of churches, an awful lot of activity. All, you know, most of it was rescheduled. There's almost as many due to celebrate confirmations. So the numbers are quite large in terms of the number of children. When will confirmations start? Uh, they're ongoing at the moment. Okay. Some of them were some of them were done before the lockdown, but only a handful. The vast majority were postponed. So they're being done in parallel with the first Holy Communions. So there's an awful lot going on in the parishes. Like I know, for example, I saw yesterday that in the cathedral and Blackpool, an area that you're well familiar with, the two priests there and Bishop Fenton have celebrated nine confirmation ceremonies and ten first Holy Communion masses in the last couple of weeks. I don't think I don't think it's the actual confirmation or communion itself. It's what's going on afterwards. But Absolutely. We, inside in the churches, then are, are, are numbers limited? Uh, they are very limited, unfortunately. Um, no, there's an up and a down to that. To be honest, like. I feel sorry for families who had, you know, an expectation of gathering all their extended family together for the special day for their child. And that's been curtailed by the government regulations. So most of the churches, we can only fit the two parents and the child are, you know, the, the sponsor with confirmation. So the numbers are really restricted and we have no choice over that, unfortunately. On the other hand, I think the upside of it is that and one of the parents in the parish that I'm in, in Enniskeen, said to me the other day after the First Communion Ceremony, she said, you know, actually she said, I thought it was lovely because there was an awful lot less bull involved. Yeah, yeah. Because the COVID stuff forced people to strip away a lot of the stuff that they might be normally running around to do and it helped people to concentrate on what really matters. But, but would it have made sense now with regards to what we know now, all of the parties that are going on and the events that families, some families seem to be holding, not to have communions and confirmations at all? I just referred there to an email regarding a marquee uh, up in a, in, a, in a housing estate on the north side, for instance. I think no matter what time of the year, or whether you do that on Christmas Day or the middle of the summer, there's always a danger that you'll have one or two people go over the top and do stuff extreme anyway, Neil, no matter when you do it. I think for the sake of the 99% who have been really good and really compliant and for all the work that the teachers, that the teachers in the parishes have done, I think an awful lot of good has been done and I think it is great that so many of the children have been able to have their ceremonies there's a danger still that there's a percentage still to do, and we are at risk, I'm afraid, this week, that they may not happen now. I have some of them planned myself for the next couple of weeks, and, um, you know, we're a bit on tender hooks. Um, so there, there is a need, a need to appeal maybe to the wider community that we all need to work together on this. The, it strikes me that when you're talking about what's going on, that you see, one of, the, one of the troublesome things about this for people to get their heads around is that if I come into to Mass or if you come into the station with a flu, everybody around you knows that you have it and they'll run a mile from you. Yeah. If, you have, if you're carrying this virus, nobody has a clue. Nobody knows that you could be carrying it, that I could be carrying it, that the person that I meet in the street in the minute could be carrying it. So... That's a real issue because this is basically an invisible risk. Do you know what? Do you, but do you know what families are doing after the communion ceremony, or where they're going, or how many people they're the, going to have? The vast majority, to be honest, are just going home, 
the days of going to the hotels for big events are gone. Um, and most of the families are also very mindful of the fact, for example, that they can't include their grandparents because many of the grandparents might have health issues and that they're minding them and taking care of them. And that's one of the painful things as well. Grandparents absolutely love to be able to be at the First Communion ceremonies and the confirmation ceremonies, and they've missed a lot of that because of COVID this year. So in my experience, the bulk of the families are actually really conscientious and are doing what's right. And the teachers are doing a phenomenal job to help the boys and girls to focus on what really matters as well. Um, but look, you will always have a few that will go over the top no matter what you do. Do you have an opinion and, uh, on some of the, how can I put this without insulting anybody, but some of the, some of the, the hair and the makeup and, and the tan and the, the lashes and they look, oh, some of them look as if they're in wedding dresses, to be quite honest with you. They have hair extensions. In fact, I have an email from a girl, from a mother who said that her eight-year-old daughter didn't recognize another girl in her class. She was so done up in makeup and tan. Have you any yeah. thoughts on that? It wouldn't be my area of expertise. But, what, but have, you, have, you noticed, but have you noticed that change over the years, more and more? Um, I think in in more recent years, maybe there was a bit of a competitive stuff going on among some families. But I think this year that's all calmed down, to be honest. I think it's pulled back. Um, I think people are able to concentrate a bit more on the importance. But again, I think you will always have a few that will get grab the headlines and people will go sharing stuff. I saw stuff shared recently um, on Facebook um, about ceremonies. And the ceremonies hadn't happened in Ireland at all. Okay, so you're referring to a video that I sent to you last week, alleging that uh, this was a video of a horse going up the aisle of a church. And uh, yeah. I was told that this was a massive big horse with a child up on top of it going up the aisle of a Cork church. That's right. And it turns out it wasn't even in Ireland. But that's how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you know that? So there was somebody told me it was Mayfield Church, no? No, absolutely not. I can confirm without fear of contradiction, it absolutely wasn't anywhere in common. But why would any church anywhere have allowed somebody to ride a big, huge horse up the aisle of a church with a child up in the back of it? Why would even any priest allow it? But how do we know that it wasn't a clip from a documentary or a drama or a film being made? <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Maybe it was. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's the nature, you know, Neil, it's the nature of social media. Somebody looks at something and they automatically believe that it's real. Well, I mean, no, I, 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 I look at everything now with a more of a jaundiced view, I have to say, and I try and check yeah. everything, but it would so be remiss of me not to say it if somebody said it was a north side charge with a horse going up the aisle. You're saying it never happened. It's definitely not one of our churches. But have you had horses pull up for communions with uh, horse-drawn carriages? I haven't heard a scene of it this year anyway. I haven't heard a scene of it this year. But it does happen, um, doesn't it? I, it? It has happened occasionally, very occasionally. And do you, do you have any thoughts then on the email that said many of the parents couldn't say the Our Father from the start to the finish? That it's just a fashion parade or a big social event? I don't know about the many. Um, I think I think the vast, the majority of the parents um, connect with the meaning of it. Of course, there are some families that might mightn't be practicing their faith and mightn't understand what's really involved. At the moment, we take a view in the parishes and in the church that look, we'll do our best to welcome everybody and to to be welcoming and to be an open, welcoming and an encouraging church. 
that includes welcoming people who mightn't have much of a sense of it. it you know, um, it, you could have emails coming in that saying, you know, and you will some other day probably, that somebody approached the church and they were turned away. That's not the kind of church that we want. Yeah. We want to be welcoming and to be open to people. There's, of course, the downside of that is that not everybody might appreciate that. And look, we kind of have to try and take people where they're at, try and encourage them to focus on what really is important. And in this day and age, I think probably the most important thing for us this week, actually, is to watch our social contacts. Whatever the occasion is, just to be mindful of the fact that the person that you're spending time with for a half hour or for two hours might, unknown to themselves, be carrying this virus. Okay, okay. Good words that's of advice. The, okay, appreciate that. critical thing, I think, for us this week. Because if we if we don't fight these numbers this week, uh, and not luck will change again next week, we'll be going back into a much reduced scenario. Some of the children will miss out on their special days, but more significant things, the weddings numbers will be halved. So there are people planning to get married next Saturday whose numbers might be halved if we don't sit on the numbers this week. Okay, let's see what the coming days bring. Father Tom, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Father Tom Hayes, parish priest in Enniskeen. Um, an email on this actually uh, says, while you were on the subject of communions, I need to ask where... When are people actually going to rein communions in? I had uh, my small ones communion this weekend. And while we were, uh, while we are a private, hardworking family, I work 60 hours a week. My husband sometimes works six days a week. We wanted to give my little girl the nicest day we could. We got her a nice dress. We got her hair done. And that was it. I know a lot of kids, all right, nowadays on the communion day, um, especially the girls, go all out. They get the hair, the makeup and the tan done. But I was just shocked now when I saw a girl who was in my child's class arrive at the church. When I asked my daughter what her name was, she says, Mum, I don't know her. I asked, what do you mean you don't know her? This is your class communion. She said, I don't know her. Time went on anyway, and I recognised this child's mum from the school gates. My daughter turned round and said, it was what the little girl's... My daughter turned round and said, it was what the little girl's name was. Uh, that she didn't, but she didn't, rec- sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the, the point here is that uh, she didn't recognize her because all of the makeup she was wearing, the false and fake eyelashes, the tan, the eyebrows. Can you believe it? My eight-year-old daughter didn't rec- recognize a girl in her class who she sees every day because she had too much makeup and tan on. To me, that's the horror story of all. Two things. Shame on the parents for doing this to the little girl, eight years old. And shame on any beautician or hairdresser that would make an eight-year-old girl so unrecognizable. Shame on them all, says Bridget. So that's the one I referenced there with Father Tom, where her daughter didn't recognize the classmate because she was done up so much. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. I don't know if you were following that story there last week of the Donegal Hotel, the beach hotel in Donegal, advertising their rooms for the weekend at two euro. The room was two euro um, because they uh, were trying to get punters through the door. People freaked out about that. It was an example to me of you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. Uh, the hotel had to come back then and cancel uh, the promotion. Um, they said that there was their int- they never had the intention uh, of anybody actually using the bedrooms. Uh, you paid the two euro to make yourself a resident. And it was merely a method, they said, to allow customers to become residents 
for an hour and 45 minutes in line with government re- regulations so they could avail of dining and beverage services indoors. Then had to come out then and apologise and cancel it all for the unintentional offence caused to their local community because apparently the locals were worried that many people would be coming in from outside to go on weekend breaks and take up the offer of two euro hotels, uh, two, two euro hotel rooms. I suppose that the hotel didn't think it through long enough, but you're damned if you do. But it shows how desperate some businesses are just to stay open and survive. But then recently, I think the Independent were talking about this last week. You know, when they contact people and there's contact tracing done and, you know, people have to be tested and, and checked as to, you know, whether or not they came in contact with and where they were and stuff like that. They did find uh, that when they contacted people uh, for contact tracing, the people that they were contacting had been to events like christenings, communions, confirmations, and unfortunately funerals where there could be too many people and then there's an afterwards or a party or a get-together or indeed... Uh, a bloody marquee. So lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's things? Uh, good. So this is um, a communion as well, was it? Welcome back, by the way. And uh, Miss Mo- Miss Moll done a great job of standing up here. He always does. He's a very steady pair of hands. Fair play to him. Um, so Knocknahini Church. Uh, what's the story behind that? Well, we were just uh, we were at mass yesterday morning and uh, or half a love mass and. At the end of the mass, our priest just happened to uh, say, "Happened to say, is there any, is there any children that made their communion on Saturday in the church?" And uh, one stood up. There and how many would? Have, yeah, how many would have been uh, at communion the day before? Well, I uh, well, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't because there would be thirty. There could be sixty. I don't you know. There could be anywhere between twenty and forty, I suppose. Okay. But I mean, there was one. So I, I mean, that's that's sad, really. Like you know, I mean, I mean, the the, the teachers spend I suppose three or four months uh, preparing the children for the big day, and uh, I mean, it's that's their faith. Like you should be practicing your faith. Like so, and then the parents just oh, well, I suppose you, you don't blame the children. And the children, I mean, the parents don't seem to. Um, uh, have it in them just to get all the bed and take the children to mass. Yeah, but how many masses were there in that church on that Sunday? Only one. Only one. Only oh, one so mass it wasn't Sunday. as if the kids had gone to a later one or an earlier one. No, only one mass on Sunday. Like, but I mean, so on the Saturday the communion was full with communion kids, and the next yeah. day for mass there was one of them there. One, and I think I think it was it was the same on the confirmation. Like, so it just the parents just don't stay to um, just uh, just don't stay to think that it's important that their children go to mass. Like, you know. I mean, just because just because the parents don't seem to think that mass is important, doesn't mean that the child. I mean, the child should still like have have a faith and practice his faith. You think it's just a, you think this just a fashion parade or an opportunity to have a, a party? It seems not. It, it okay. seems not. I mean, so like before the COVID nineteen ever came in, need when you if if someone died and you went to a funeral, you'd always know like the people like what to mass regularly because. There are certain times at the, at the mass when you stand up for the or father or you stand up for the, for the gospel, and uh, you you know the people that don't go to mass because they don't want to stand up. Yeah, but that's 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 okay. They they could be there to honor somebody who has died in a place of place place of worship of which they don't believe in themselves. Yeah, that's true. I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, well, I suppose Neil. Another way look at it is that. That priest as well. I mean, the priest would have put in an offer of effort as well, like um, in in the months previous to the making of communion, and uh, and he, he and the priest would do an amazing job for them on the day. I oh, know, I know. And, make, and, and then and then they don't seem fit 
same to, it's the same to um, you know, honour that, like, and appreciate what the priest has done for them. Okay, now Father Tom may say that he hasn't seen any horse-drawn carriages or what have you, but I have many, many videos and photographs from various churches around Cork sent to me of stretch limos, um, yeah. uh, horse-drawn carriages, you know, almost even the princess-type carriages. I saw one of them going down the Link Road yesterday in the back of a, uh, a truck. It was obviously taken it somewhere. It was like something that Cinderella would go around in. Um, it's completely over the top. Uh, have you seen many of them? No, I haven't seen. I, I think I've seen a couple of stretch limos, all right, in the past couple and, of weeks. And is it okay for a communion child to go to her communion or his communion mass in a stretch limo? Or is this a thing just for the young girls? No, I wouldn't. I would, no, I wouldn't think so. I mean, okay. it, it, look, you, you, have, you have your own family, can that should be good enough. I mean, uh, you look at any... But maybe it's nobody else's business but the person who's rented the stretch limo. It's their money. It's only putting ideas, look, it's only putting ideas in the kids' head life for the rest of their lives. Just because it happens to them, they're going to carry it on for the next generation and the right. next generation. Okay, it's very interesting. Just before I let you go, you said there was only one, there's only one mass in Nocknahini Church on Sunday, is it? One, yeah. One, one Saturday night at six o'clock and one Sunday morning at half past eleven. I think I mean, so I think there might be two or three, you know, in St. Francis, there might be two or three in St. Mary's on a Sunday, but there's only one in, in our parish. All right. I was, I, was an altar boy, I was an altar boy, you know, years and years ago, back in the days of short pants, uh, and St. Michael's in Black Rock was where I was an altar boy, and there was, uh, on a Sunday, right? You probably know this. On a Sunday, there was, there was a Mass at 7 in the morning, there was a Mass at 8 in the morning, there was a Mass yeah. at half 9, there was a Mass at 11... There was a mass at midday, and there was what we called the dancers' mass. Those who couldn't get out of bed on a Sunday morning had a mass at five o'clock Sunday afternoon. It was a lot of masses. Well, when I, when I was nine or ten years of age, my father used to bring me to the confraternity on a Friday once, on a Friday once a month to St. Vincent Justin Sunday as well, and you couldn't get in the door. Yeah, no, I'm just saying how times have changed. It's amazing. Maybe before you go, um, you mentioned you had about the special advisors for Eamon or for Eamon Ryan and he, the other actor. Yeah, Eamon Ryan is eight of them. He is here advisors. No, I know. No, you've been on holidays, but have you? I have. There's been a good few press conferences now on the, on, on the news there in the evenings well, regarding the COVID nineteen and Michal Martin to be there and Veronica be there and Stephen Donnelly. Um, I haven't seen Eamon Ryan on television and uh, 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 even heard a word from him in the past. I'd say four or five weeks. Well, I've no idea why that is. He seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth, and he is and he's advisors. Eight advisors to the leader of the Green Party, all paid for by the state at the same time they cut the pub payment by 50 euro a week for those that need it most. All right. Thanks, David. Cheers. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 1-850-104-106. Thank you. They just dropped me in lots more photographs now of uh, marquees being set up. in. Uh, and I suppose uh, this is the reason why you have headlines like you do in The Independent saying it's communions, it's confirmations, it's house parties. It's uh, different social events that people are going to. And I suppose you also have to ask the question, um, where are they getting the alcohol from? And that, of course, would be the off-licenses and the drinks aisles from supermarkets. Uh, thank you to Kenneth, uh, Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn. He's been waiting an age. Ken, good morning. Have you seen these marquees? Have you seen the photographs? They're in your constituency? They are in my constituency, Neil. Uh, good morning and uh, welcome back. Um, yeah, they are. Um, I was getting texts, I think, at uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, on Saturday morning. Uh, Sunday, Sunday morning, Saturday night. Um, 
a vote parties and fireworks that were going off. Um, I was also made aware that last week there was another party in another part of the north side um, with a, a, a very large marquee in the back garden. Okay, let me let me just read something for you regarding that because I have a photograph of that marquee and it says, um, here it is, Neil, this is the marquee that was put up on Friday for the confirmation on Saturday in the middle of a housing estate. It was absolutely huge and it is actually. The party went on all day and all night for the confirmation. The guards weren't called once because I genuinely think people were too afraid to report the group. There was a, even a red carpet, a red velvet with red velvet and gold chairs. Uh, they had a DJ the lot. The children were all out on the estate all day mixing together. Then afterwards it sounded like a karaoke and then a DJ again. No expense was spared whatsoever. There were crowds at it. People coming and going all day and all night. Absolute disgrace. All elderly people living around that estate with no consideration and no concern for anyone. I have a family member hoping to get married on Saturday and there's a possibility it might be cancelled a third time uh, by the end of the week. They can't even have loved ones at it and will probably have to cut the numbers again if it does go ahead because of the likes of the selfishness of these people and their marquees. They're a law unto themselves. So there you go. Yeah, I, I was made aware of that and I was also also made aware of the, there was a well over 100 guests at that actually when I saw the photographs and videos that were on Facebook and, and various other social medias um, I thought it was a wedding actually because it was, it was such a large event um, the more digging I did go into it it, was, it did happen over the weekend uh, it was in an estate in the north side it was I can confirm it is a traveller family um, How do you know that? It was from the names of the of the families, actually, there's quite a number of them that I, w- I would know personally. Um, so there would be settled travellers who live in the estate, use the uh, green area to put up a marquee? The, the, as, as, look, I'd be straight with you, Neil, that, you know, there's no point in me pussyfooting around this. These are tra- a traveller family that are housed by Cork City Council. Uh, there's two of these families living in the estate. And uh, from what I understand, and from speaking to neighbours as well, and speaking to other people, everybody was afraid to ring the guards. Everybody was afraid. Why would you be afraid to anonymously, in the in the privacy of your own home, pick up your mobile phone and, and go, call Grana Braha Garda We've had this discussion on a number of occasions of the amount of people that have received threats, the amount of people that are, are afraid of their lives of certain traveller families in the city. That's the reality of it. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I know there'll be probably 20 different traveller visibility groups now texting and emailing and writing solicitors letters in and writing them to me. But that's the reality of what's going on. Because they might have a point if if if, if members of the settled community are also putting up marquees. Well, look, Neil, I, I believe there are people having house parties. I've seen it myself on social media that they are have holding house parties and they are breaking um, guidelines and breaking rules. That's the reality of it. But like this, this thing that was that happened over the weekend was was astronomical. It was, it was it was a huge event. It looked like something really. I suppose it's what you would see out of the Kardashians. It was it was so lavish. Um, I'd love to know how they're paying for it because I certainly couldn't put on an event like that to rent a marquee is a, is a is an absolute fortune. Um, there, there was another marquee, as I said, in the north side, and it was a, a party to celebrate the sex of a child. Uh, again, another travelling family because I, I know them and I, I know Explain them. to me, would you, because sometimes I want to do I live under a rock. People have parties, <laughs> reveal parties, <laughs> is it? I'll be honest with you now. <laughs> I've only seen it on television. I never thought it happened in Ireland. A reveal party <laughs> a to reveal, reveal the sex of the unborn party. baby, is it? Yeah. 
it's a reveal party to identify the sex of the child and then the balloons go off and I believe there was there was 200 pink balloons released into, into the atmosphere up and the, the balloons then indicate what blue or pink is it or blue something blue or pink blue or pink yeah. yeah you learn something new every day don't you no I do uh, know about it because two very very bad house fires in California which kind of uh, which decimated hundreds of thousands of acres of California um, were started by somebody setting off some pyrotechnic uh, on two different occasions at a reveal party. Well, look, the reality here is that, and I've spoken about it on your show um, while you're away as well, and it's been well covered and documented in the news, the amount of illegal fireworks that are around Cork at the moment are astronomical. It's crazy what's going on at the moment. Um, we have a situation where people are ignoring all guidelines, where they're having holding large house parties. We did have the situation there of the travelling family uh, this uh, this weekend and last weekend, a different travelling family that are holding these huge parties, holding the marquees. I believe there was alcohol served to all hours and well from the photographs I've seen which I supplied to your team so yeah, where people very, are asking me young. people are asking me to say Neil, where yeah I have that photograph a guy he looks about 8 maybe 10 he's drinking a bottle of Copperberg that's oh, cider is it yeah, yeah cider yeah 500 yeah. ml bottle of it yeah yeah uh, like, but where are the parties it's unfair on the north side where are they well the one party was located in Dublin Hill uh, inside in a private housing estate um, where some of the houses are owned by Cork City Council. Um, I, it's my belief that one of the tenants is responsible. Um, I have written to Cork City Council early this morning um, pointing out this and asking them to investigate it. Um, and the other, uh, the other one that I'm... The other one, actually, the, the reveal party was in Onslow Gardens. And uh, the one, the complaint that I'm getting tremendous complaints out of in the last number of weeks, again, is going back to our friends down in Spring Lane. And that's the amount of fireworks, the DJs, um, music till all hours. Um, and I actually had one resident who rang the guards, who I have, I, I supplied the information to you and the email to you, um, who was told by a, a guard on the phone, I'm sorry, we're far too busy to be going out to that uh, park. Far too busy to break up a social setting like that. Far too busy. That was the reply from the guards. Neil, I have situations in my own constituency and in the neighbouring constituency um, where I'm getting calls from people um, where there's 40, 30 youths gathering and drinking um, uh, in certain estates, private estates, public estates. What's been happening with regards to off-licences? Everybody's very touchy-feely about them. Well, look, the reality is is that, you know, we, we, we have a situation. Look, you know, I take a drink, I enjoy a drink. I think most people do. But but you know uh, what I mean? Because, th- like, socialising is fueled by alcohol. They're not getting it in the pubs. Maybe it'd be better if... The they're, bu- they're buying it in the supermarkets. They're not buying it in O'Donovan's or, or places like that. They're buying it. They're buying slabs in the supermarkets where it's cheap and it's, and it's easily available. And that's very, very hard to monitor. So when they say socialising is socialising will lead us into stage three by the end of the week in Cork, I would imagine we're heading to stage three. It's actually we're heading to stage three. Yeah, it's actually supermarket aisles and off licences are leading us into stage three. Well, that's that's the reality. But but look, people, you know, you can't blame supermarkets for selling a product. You you know, I've heard now a couple of your comments, the comments from people online, and and you know, giving out about communities. You know. 
that's nothing to do with me or you or anything. You can spend your money whatever way you want to do. But when it comes to public safety, when it comes to people's health, when it comes to endangering other people, you have to get a small bit of cop on and a small bit of responsibility for your fellow man and for your neighbours, for your friends, because you don't know who you're damaging. You don't know who you're going to affect. And, you know, Neil, you're, t- you're talking, there's the email that you got there a while ago saying that they had to cancel their wedding. I know what that's like. I had to cancel my own wedding this year that's because right. of COVID. Yeah. You know, that's the reality of it. And yet you have people flaunting the laws, um, giving the proverbial two fingers, not only to their neighbours and their community, to everybody else that's doing everything right. And I, I meet so many people who tell me that they haven't seen, their, that their children haven't seen their grandparents in six, seven months because they're worried about it. Because they're, you know, uh, they're seeing people through but, windows. They're going to visit them. They can't visit them in nursing homes, etc. And they're doing everything right. And then you have a situation where people are putting it up on social media where they're having, where they're having what fun we had at an event with, with 150 people with this huge marquee. And, you know, who cares? And that's why that's a blatant, you call that a blatant disrespect for neighbours who are abiding by the guidelines and that they can't have one rule, are you saying, for an ethnic minority group and another rule for everybody else? Well, why, why should there, Neil? Why should you or anybody else be allowed have a different rule for you and for, for, and for me down the road? I can't do what you're doing. That's totally wrong. It's unfair. It's wrong, you know. And there are people that are hurting there this morning that are, you know, that can't see their grandchildren, that can't see um, family members that have been isolated and have been doing everything right. And then you have this in the middle of your estate. That's appalling. That's appalling, Gary Ann. And it's so disrespectful to everybody else that's doing everything right. you got to wonder about the marquee companies that put them up, though, don't you? Well, I don't know, was the marquee bought or, 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 or what the situation it would, you know, I would imagine if you wanted a marquee company at the moment, you'd probably be tearing the hair out of your head because there'd be no business, you would think, you know. So you think they might have even bought them? You know, these huge, these are huge marquees. It's a huge marquee. Um, I, I, you know, I really, you'd seriously question where the money came from. You'd seriously question where the money came from. Because, you know, as, as I said, it was like something you would see from the Kardashians. It okay. was outlandish. It was the dance floor alone. It was one of those white dance floors with the lights coming out. But I know to rent one of those is, is 2,000 euros. So, you where know, does the money come from? Okay. Where does okay. the money come from? Okay. It's a big question, isn't it? Okay. So, um, I'm out of time for now, but I'll be back on this after 10. It's not Got really, it. it's not really the public that should have to react to this. Although you say that they're afraid to pick up the phone. It's the Gardaí. And the Gardaí, there's something seriously lacking in the Gardaí. As the Garda member is saying that these two, that they're too busy to, to respond to something in a halting site or respond to um, a, a large gathering like that, breaking the music laws because, you know, the, uh, I believe Wagon Wheel was played um, from about 4 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock in the morning on, on repeat. Oh, my God. Um, you know, uh, imagine having to listen to that and get up for work the next morning. All right, my friend. Thanks for okay. taking the call. As always, Councillor Kenneth Flynn, back after 10, text 0868 106 the Neil Prenderville Show. Okay, so it's going to be a very interesting week, particularly when Neffa get together again by Thursday to see what kind of restriction. Well, either we will be or we won't be, and we'll kind of know. And the way the numbers are stacking up at the moment, it looks as if we will be going from, uh, you know, r- you know, I was going to say relative, uh, you know, uh, freedom 
to more restrictions, but it'll be pretty much like Dublin. Samantha says the kids are doing what they are told to do. They are wearing their masks, they're washing their hands, they're sanitizing their hands in school and outside. Why are kids being blamed for the rising case? I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just giving you the stats when you break it down into different age profiles. The big spike is 25s and under. Uh, the case numbers have been booming since communions and since wearing masks became mandatory. It's certain places being open in the city that are causing the rise in cases and the gatherings at house parties uh, in spite uh, of wearing masks being mandatory. There's also people traveling in and out of the country all of the time. The list of problems, says Kelly, is endless and it has been since March. Um, yeah, but as you head into winter now and, uh, you know, a lot of other sicknesses will be coming back in winter. You imagine the pressure that could be put on the health service uh, come, say, the back end of November, December, and God knows what it'd be like in January. Naomi says churches are only allowing parents to go inside for the ceremonies, but it's a free-for-all after with the parties for the communions. It's just insane. Julie says the schools went back too soon. Uh, and Annie says numbers are rising because of people's stupidity. We know we knew the second wave was coming. We were told the government had a golf function. Tourists are still coming in. Schools are still open where positive cases have been confirmed. Massive protests are constantly taking place. Outdoor marquees for little girls or boys' special days is the least of our worries. It's the safer option unless people think the guests at these parties should be all in a house together. Um, are you suggesting that a marquee is a safe option? Elaine says, all you have to do is look at the city at the weekends. Bars are packed with no mask wearing and there's no physical distancing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you can't wear a mask in a bar. I mean, unless you're walking in and out to the loo or waiting at the door to get in. After that, masks come off. I mean, it's quite simple, really, isn't it? It's quite simple. Uh, wear the mask, wash your hands, and reduce the amount of people you're hanging out with. I mean, it's not rocket science. Uh, Ashling says, numbers were rising way before communes and confirmations started. And just one or two more. Grace said, I had my son's confirmation. It was limited to 14 people for the meal. We went straight home. Uh, we all went our separate ways. Uh, Neo says, drive through town and go and see the queues for the pubs. It's the young people get blamed for everything. I've seen some of the videos, actually, uh, and I've seen people hanging around buskers late at night who are, you know, um, playing music for people and um, big, big groups of people over the weekend in areas like uh, Oliver Plunkett Street. Washington Street, the Grand Parade there by Bishop Lucy Park and what have you. So that's where we're at. Keep the text coming. Um, selfish parents, a child who makes the communion or confirmation party is supposed to be for kids, not drink, not DJs. It's a disgrace. What a shame. The poor kids, what a memory they'll have of it. Their parents and family members drunk at their special day. Bring them bowling. Go for a meal, but don't use your kids to party. It's shameful and such a pity. Morning, I can confirm the marquee and the party because I live in the next estate to that marquee. It could be it could be heard loud and clear. And they had no shame or care about anyone or anywhere else. Um, there was a horse and carriage in Mayfield Church last week, Neil. Another horse and car carriage outside North Cathedral on Wednesday. How is it my eight-year-old child can figure out that it's the sacrament of communion that matters and not the parting? Can the church and school just get on with it and carry out the services during the week? Surely this will mean less partying. Not for everybody, I think. There are people, whether it was on a Wednesday or a Friday or a Saturday, uh, they'd still get down and party. Outside of COVID restrictions at normal times, what business is it to anyone what anyone does for their child's communion? 
outside of COVID restrictions. I don't agree with fake tans or horse-drawn carriages, but if that's what people want, um, then let them at it. Under normal circumstances, if people invite 50 or so people to their house or hotel, then that's their business. For some people, Christmas and special events like communions might be the only time in the year that families can actually get together. So that is what makes it so special. I always hear people moaning about communions and confirmations, but what about weddings? Weddings don't need the big dues, but thousands of people still go with hotels and flowers and bands and DJs and fancy cars. And a lot of these people are moaning about communions now. Uh, And they themselves had big expensive weddings. Maybe the people having the big communions choose to do without holidays uh, or big plasma TVs so they could save for the special day. I know that COVID has brought out the curtain twitchers, but under normal circumstances, people can do what they want with their own money and their own time, says Gillian. And you've never said a truer word under normal circumstances. If that's, that's assuming, you know, that the huge amounts of money that are spent uh, on these various ev- events can be uh, can be accounted for from the purpose of uh, tax and paying your share and stuff like that and that's also been an issue in the past but i did see i did see a photograph of one particular young girl um uh, and i think she's uh, I said to me how old how old is that child she's she's eight um and she looked like a shrunken bride you know she had um very very heavy makeup she had tan um, I'm reliably informed that she had uh, hair extensions on. Her eyes were all done. It looked to me as if she was in a perpetual state of fright. Uh, but she did, as an eight-year-old, look like a tiny bride to me uh, with a big, huge dress on her, uh, big hairdo, uh, massive veil, like eyelash extensions. Like You can say it's nobody's business but the parents, but I wonder what the children make of it, though, you know? Um, I mean, it's a long way from just a nice, simple communion dress. Anyway, lines are open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Is there demand, though, I wonder, uh, for a lot of uh, over-the-top uh, dresses and over-the-top, uh, you know, uh, makeup and, and tanning and, and hair extensions? Claire Dilworth has Cinderella's Closet, joins me by phone. Claire, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Have you seen the photographs? I have seen some, um, but I received a lot of uh, First Holy Communion photographs from our own customers. Uh, they always send in the pictures after the big day, and we love to see them. But I'll be honest, Janelle, I'm not seeing the tan. I'm not seeing eyelashes. I'm seeing innocent little eight-year-old girls, and the ones that we've been sent in, we're just not seeing it. I, it okay, well, I happen. can gladly send you a photograph or two of your wish. One of them actually came with an email from a mother of a child who said her child didn't recognize her classmate at the communion morning because of yes. the get-up on her. Yes. Yeah, I've seen that one, and it is very rare, Neil, that you see that. And, you know, I suppose, like, there is always going to be a level of it, but it's it's very rare. And they're innocent little eight-year-old girls, and that's the way they most of them have been for their first Holy Communion Day. You know, they've been waiting for this day for so long, and disappointment after disappointment and they've had to cut their numbers hugely and unfortunately it sounds like there is a level of um, breaking restrictions and rules and it's selfish because it's got such a knock-on effect even on the, the couples due to get married next Saturday 
you don't want their numbers to be reduced to 25. So, yeah, it's, um, it, but it is the exception, I believe. Yeah, and maybe that exception is none of our business. Let me, let me paint a scenario for you where you have an eight-year-old child dressed up like I've described, right? Mm-hmm. Getting into a stretch limo, not unlike yeah. a wedding, or getting into a horse-drawn Cinderella's uh, carriage. Uh, maybe it's nobody's business, but no, but but at the same but, life, but does it affect the child's life though? If it's part of their tradition, if it's part of if this has been the norm for generations gone by, then they're perfectly entitled to do it. I believe. But I'm not having a go at the travelling community here, not for oh, a moment. I I'm quite sure that the fake tan and the eyelashes and the hair extensions are from all sections of society. Of course, of course. Yeah, but it it is the exception, and I'd hate for people to think that these lo- these innocent girls are all all wearing makeup, all wearing eyelashes. It's very funeral. Mm-hmm. I mean, with regards to a fake tan, would that be applied from a bottle at home, or would they be taking the child to a tanning salon? Do you think? I would hope a tanning salon wouldn't accept them. <laughs> to be honest, um, I'd imagine they're doing it from their own homes and. Um, I, I don't know anything about whether the talent are taking them or not. Are hair extensions for an eight-year-old? That's is that is that okay? If if that's what they want to do, I can't judge. I, I won't judge. Um, maybe it wouldn't be something we would do. But if somebody else chooses to do it, I do think it's their own decision. Okay. So do you have type? Do you have types of dresses that look like wedding dresses? No. Okay, yeah, so where where are these? Dress. Where where would one get one of those? Is it online? Possibly, possibly. Like, there's a big difference between a wedding dress and a little child's dress. And so, no, I don't have um, communion dresses that look like wedding dresses. But they exist. I've seen them. Yes, they exist. They do. Okay, okay. Yeah. And just worry about the innocence of a of an eight year old. You know. And they are, in, they are innocent, Neil. I meet them every day of the week. They're so excited. They're so innocent. And they, they've had just disappointment after disappointment. And I know there was quite a few communions now this Saturday. And it was lovely that they actually could celebrate their day. And the majority, I would say, have done it. And where were they telling you they were having the celebrations? So initially, it would have been big celebrations in a hotel, marquee, and then speaking to all the parents when they came back to collect the dresses, that had completely changed because anybody who wants their grandparents at the communion cannot have anybody else there. So most of them were just literally having it themselves with their grandparents at home. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and do you ever get to chat with them then about the significance of the sacrament itself or that's not your area perhaps? Uh, no, but it is something that is a huge part of it. Obviously, that's what it is. So with the girls, we'd always have them put their hands together, walk around as if they were, you know, going to the altar to receive this argument. And we'd always ask them about their first confession. Um, and, you know, are you singing songs at school? So we always have that level of uh, conversation with them as well. Okay. And is there a rush on now, do you think, because of the impending restrictions that are down the track do you think are you are you finding that people are starting to panic to get it done yes yeah so 
So we launched now, or would you believe, Neil, for 2021, we're launching uh, this in October, early October. And there is, uh, people really do seem to want to get the dress, get it ordered, and they don't have to worry for, you know, about it. Okay, all right. I'll let yeah. you get back to it. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it, Claire, Thank as always. You. Claire Dilworth yeah. at Cinderella's uh, Closet. In fact, uh, there an interesting mention of Christmas there reminds me of an email I know it's only September Neil but I'm already feeling nervous about Santi coming to town I'm worried that kids won't have the opportunity to visit the big man himself this year get the chance of taking photos with him on his lap and fear for the future of our commercial sector in general. As I write this email, my anxiety levels are at an all-time high after attending a work do in the city over the weekend. Myself and five other colleagues booked a table at a popular eatery Four of us were placed on one table and two were seated at a table two metres apart. We weren't allowed to interact between tables for obvious reasons, despite all six of us working as one pod at work on a daily basis. The experience has left me not wanting to return to the city and perhaps to become a hermit. If I have this feeling just after one night out in six months, I feel for the retailers who've been pummeled by COVID-19. If incidents of the virus continue at their present rate, then I feel we will have another national lockdown pretty soon. Businesses are more than likely making decisions now about inventory, stock, staffing, and how to best interact with customers skittish about visiting crowded stores over the coming months as Cork faces into a level three lockdown this Friday. Um, with cases now increasing by the day, I think now is the time to start our Christmas shopping so our younger ones are not left feeling left out. I read recently that a well-known branded games console is struggling to supply sufficient gaming consoles for its US and European market because of the global pandemic. The earliest supply to reach European shores is April 2021. Ah, you'll be talking about like things like, say, PlayStation and things like that. This year, more than ever, we have a responsibility to shop local, shop often, and avoid international multiples, says Michael in Middleton. Thank you. I love emails like that. I also heard that um, there's an awful shortage. Actually, there's a big problem with getting parts for repair jobs on different things, regardless of what it might be. It could be something, an appliance in the home. It could be a lawnmower, a personal experience of that. Also, um, I don't want to be panicking or freaking people out, but if Santa Claus is bringing a bike this Christmas... You want to be um, really getting your skates on now uh, because uh, I don't know how many bikes there will be uh, to go around or how many Santa Claus will be able to make between now and December. I just mentioned that as a kind of a, by the way, uh, lines are open though, one 850 Deirdre, good morning. Hi, good morning. And yes. my apologies for holding you as long as I did. Now, tell me about your daughter. Uh, we dropped our daughter down to Cork last night, Jesus. First year student at UCC. Oh, um, very exciting then. She's heading to college for the first time. Has, yes, and I suppose to make something of it that they've missed out on so much with their leaving cert and their debts and everything. And it was just a bit of excitement to be getting back to some kind of normality of schooling. And um, <clears throat> The timetable she got was showed that she had some classes in college and some classes online. So we decided it was probably best that she stay in accommodation in Cork. So we were lucky enough only a couple of weeks ago to get a place for her. So we dropped her down last night, but about an hour, I'd say, probably she was there. Um, two of her housemates were heading off out to a house party. Right. Okay. Um, 
and I had the few drinks beforehand and that's fine. I, I don't have a problem with any student having a drink. I don't have a problem with house parties if things were normal. But I certainly do now because they're going to come. They came back last night and they've mixed with how many people? Did she say? Did she find out? No, she didn't ask. She'd be quite like, well, when I was speaking to her this morning, she's the only one up, but um, she'd be nervous. In the accommodation, there was only meant to be the four of them allowed into the accommodation. Only one of us was allowed to bring her gear in with her yesterday with a mask on, and then after that, no visitors. But sure, there was, within a half an hour of us going, there was a, a girl from another accommodation inside drinking in the accommodation. Okay. And is this a house, or is it a, an uh, apartment? No, it's, it's um, the Victoria Lodge. Victoria Lodge. Okay, that's that's a UCC complex. UCC, yeah. Okay, and were they going to another part of the complex to They're party? All up. No, not that complex. They just know where to go to the parties. Now, I do believe that if anyone tried to have a party in Victoria Lodge, you can call security and they will come and break it up and they assured everyone of that. But you can't stop them going out to a house party somewhere else. And again... I wouldn't have an issue with that, but if they weren't coming back in to where they're living with my daughter. Right. And because you, you were saying to, to Brenda that house parties are raging in Cork. How, how well, do you... we heard that, again, it's all hearsay now, but um, we know a few students, say 40 or 30, there's been house parties in Cork all summer. And this is coming from people living now in houses that are having parties now. It isn't, you know... Um, yeah, we we used, we used to call them in the summer the COVID-19 payment parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, similarly, they were going on. They you were, know, yeah. were saying, no, was there scaremongering? Or, and they were. Now, we couldn't decide whether we should let her go into accommodation in Cork or not um, when we heard about parties and everything. But then we thought, well, she's in the apartment where nobody else will be allowed into it. That was supposed to be the rule. We said her classes are online and in UCC. So rather than travelling up and down on the public transport anyway... It's probably better for her to be in court. Right, right. Now and UCC have, uh, have announced, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, UCC have announced that they will expel students who go partying. Yeah, I really don't know how they'll police that, though. And and now that they've decided that they're going to do online for the next few weeks, online only, that they're saying they'll probably do, they're all going to be inside in the apartments. There's no need for them to be in the apartment if it's all online. And I suppose maybe there'll be a lot more mixing. And is there any kind of protocols then with regards to your daughter and her, her flatmates, if you like, you know, with use of the kitchen and the loos and things like that? No, nothing. Well, luckily enough, she's in one where they all have their own ensuite. She hasn't, but the bathroom outside her door is hers. Uh, so they're not supposed to use it. Okay. But it's communal little kitchen and everything. So last night when she, say, when she was making her supper, the girl from another apartment was in and they were all in the kitchen together. So it's a very high risk then to your daughter contracting COVID-19 from the girls who have gone out to a house party. And come back. And and I really, we're very frustrated. We don't know what to do. I feel like going there today and bringing her home and letting her travel. But you've nearly three and a half thousand paid in accommodation now that, you know, could go towards travel. (sighs) Yeah. And I don't think we'll have a leg to stand on. But you wouldn't get your money back, you see. No, we wouldn't, no. It was an email issued, I'm quoting the um, examiner's story this morning. It was an email issued to all students over the weekend by Professor John Halloran. He is the interim president of UCC. And it said, just a quote from part of the email, students found to be organizing, hosting or attending gatherings which are in breach of guidelines will be subject to sanction up to and including expulsion from the university. I mean, he can't put it any plainer than that. 
No, but who's going to police it, Jesse? Like, my daughter could ring security every time someone comes into the apartment. Uh, that shouldn't be there, but my God, what a situation to No, be that'll in. cause a lot of tension with her flat. Will, and she doesn't want to be like uh, the one that the matriarch of the apartment uh, complaining and telling tales. Do you know, no one wants that situation. Um, it's very hard to know what to do, and I don't know how they'll police the house parties. I mean, there was loads of, there seemed to be a good few on. As we were checking her into her apartment last night, the amount of drink, but I think that's just student culture. Uh, uh, what do you mean? You mean party. drink being ferried Parties in, is it? Wine going in, you know, being brought in. and I, I, I don't know. Because as we all know, once you've, there's a few drinks taken, the two metres become less than two metres. You know, it's natural. It's nature to, to chat and get closer to somebody. And I really don't know. We don't know what to do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the it'll be interesting to see what the week is like now on Lee side with Freshers Week as mm-hmm. to what kind of shape mm-hmm. or form. But can we maybe just try and think of it through the eyes of students? Um, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, we've all had to make sacrifices, and undoubtedly they have to make sacrifices as well. But is yeah. there any way at all that they can you know engage in a bit of excitement and a bit of social yeah. activity at some stage for the week that's in it? You're saying no, is it? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not. The only thing I don't mind what anybody else does. My only problem is the college have announced online only because it's safer. For But yet, what do we do then when most of them are going out to house parties? I mean, three out of four in an apartment go to a house party on the first night. But it's who they're mixing with then. Yeah, I know. I, know. I don't know. I do well, feel sorry for them. I feel so sorry for them. They've had no debts. They've had no living cert. They've had nothing. They've been so good through it all. I believe most of them, the majority of them have. But then do you put yourself at risk with the numbers going up and then bringing it home to us at the weekend? And what will you do? Don't know. My Right now I feel like taking her, just taking her out. Well, what does she want to do, as she said? She doesn't know. She doesn't know what to do. She'd love to stay there if it was safe. But she's nervous now, worried, obviously. She's a bit nervous, yeah. Yeah, She is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, so, Deirdre. Thanks for sharing. You have oh, a bit okay. of a quandary no on your hand. Appreciate yeah. it. Eileen, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, what do you make um, of that? What's a, it's a hard call. I mean, you, you deal with kids for a living. Like, it's a hard call yeah, for Yeah, I, I, do, I do. My heart goes out to them. I think it's really, really hard. But you know what, Neil? I suppose it's a really hard time. We are in the middle of a pandemic. I think the guidelines, unfortunately, maybe we need a few more set rules instead of recommendations and advice because it just becomes really confusing. Well, what do you want to know? What do you, what's, well, what are you confused about? Sure, just for an example, we were away a couple of weeks ago with my parents, who are obviously older, and um, the hotel we were in, the only people that I came across not wearing masks in the public areas now, I mean, were two families from Dublin and a group of Americans. Now, to me... I just don't understand that. I mean, we're all there trying to do the right thing and do what we're told is the safest way to be. And yet, you have the people who are coming from the very, very high numbers walking around with no masks on. So, and I said it to the hotel and they said, well, it's not law, so we can't actually stop them. Yeah, but they so could advise them. Did they even home? advise them? I've heard in hotel, I've been in a few hotels over the past few months, yeah. and I noticed in the last few weeks, everybody inside in the hotels is wearing a mask as they move around. Even the foyer yeah. area, the corridors well, to their happen now in our experience, and I suppose to be fair to the businesses, Neil, you know, and the shops in town, and I've you know I've queued up outside, say the likes of Pennies in town, where two youngsters are, there's a very nice guy on the door there, and he's trying to say to these two, put on your mask, and your one goes, no boy, I'm not putting on any mask, I've asked, and the other one goes, I'm eleven, I'm not either, and the two of them head off in. 
you know, but there isn't a law there. And I just think people need that clarification because otherwise it's just so hard in the businesses, it's hard in the hotels and it's hard in the people. Yeah, I did see something yesterday somewhere on social media where someone refused, so this one, she refused to go into some pizza restaurant because she said she wouldn't wear a mask and she wasn't having a gun put to her head. Um, I think the gun she was referring to was the temperature checker, you know? Yeah, well, you know what? If that's her choice, that's fine, then just don't go in. No, they didn't let her in. No, and like, unfortunately, not everybody is able to do that because they're a bit nervous at times, you know, to be fair. But I just think, why isn't this law? If this is what the uh, Neffet or whoever are recommending is the best way to keep everybody safe, why isn't that a law? What I mean, What's town like? Have you, have you been around? I've driven through. Um, now, again, like that lady said, look, I have four kids between 16 and 23. My heart goes out to them. I think it's absolutely horrific and really difficult. But unfortunately, at the moment, we can see there's absolutely a huge rise in young people. And, uh, you know, it's not going to affect them massively. But unfortunately, then they can bring it back to... But what have you, but what have, what have you seen as you drive around? Packed. Packed. Absolutely packed. Especially around the usual areas where everybody knows. But I mean... If this is, you know, again, we've no law's recommendation. So if the recommendation is so many people at a social distance, blah, 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 why, why isn't anyone breaking this up? I don't, I don't blame, you know, I can't say the kids are going to, the kids are going to keep doing this. They're, they're, they're feeling fallible. And I get that. We're all there. But I mean, if law, if there's no law there, if there's no enforcement there, if there's no one telling them actually you can't do this, then of course they're going to keep doing it. Mm. Mm. That's a natural behaviour for that age group. And I'm not knocking them. I think it's horrendous. My heart goes out to them. And on the other side of that, Neil, I would like to say, like, there's an awful lot of kids who are massively suffering from anxiety about this, who won't go outside the door, who are a little bit reclusive, who I'd be really concerned about. So I'd also be saying to parents, you know, we're going through probably one of the hardest times we'll ever, please God, go through. And our kids are feeding off all our emotions, anxieties and worries. And there are so many kids out there struggling. I've come across kids who are afraid to go into school because they know there was a case maybe last week or, you know, there was one of the schools down the road or whatever. And the fear, these kids aren't emotionally able to deal with this. You know, we really do need to put a massive effort into supporting them and trying to build their strength up at home and talk to them as positively as possible. And there's not one of us as adults, I don't think, that isn't feeling anxious and worried and angry and frustrated. But maybe just be aware that... But the numbers are under 25s now at the moment. That's the big spike, isn't it? Pardon me, the age group? Yeah. Well, yeah, it is, of course. Yeah. But it's um, it's also, I suppose, that's the numbers that are spiking. That's the numbers that aren't mostly showing symptoms, but at the same time are bringing it home. But then we're not seeing a mass. Now, God forgive me, I'm not saying any death is important. Of course it is. But we're not seeing yet a huge spike there. I'm no expert. I don't know what's right or wrong. But if there's a recommendation, I just think we need to be a bit clearer about what this is because we're dealing with an age group to be fair to them that their whole world is about socialising and meeting friends and going out and this is their norm and unless things are very very clear and put in place that's not going to happen and also to be fair Neil there's some bars out there and restaurants who've put in huge effort to make this work and to allow people a social distance and allow them socialise in a safe or safer manner. But then you'll always have the people who aren't doing it. So my question is, why aren't they being so if shut down? And why aren't they being attacked to allow the people who are actually making the effort? Are, are you referring to particular, you particular, particular pubs in, in Cork City? Is it yeah, Cork well, City? I think we all know there's two or three there who, you know, are letting things go but out of control. But I mean... At the same time, where you know, where is the law? Like, where are the police? I don't know. 
Like if people aren't adhering to the guidelines, should, should there be, you know, I know there were supposed to be fines put on and whatever, but who's implementing all this? I don't see anybody. Okay, okay, appreciate it. I have a call in with uh, Chief Superintendent Barry McPolin, but I imagine it will be the morning, tomorrow morning, before I get to have a conversation with him. Thanks for that, Eileen, appreciate it. Thanks. Looking at the different breakdowns, actually, uh, I don't mean to, I don't know, to, to blind you sideways with COVID-19, but when you look at the breakdown, you know, you look at the average age or the age within... Uh, different, you know, research parameters. 15 to 24 year olds account for just under 25% now uh, of the COVID-19 positive cases in Ireland. Um, and that would be in a, a 10 day period. 15 to 24 year olds, tw- just under 25%. Uh, after that, then you have 25 to 34s and 35 to 44s. It starts to taper off then with the older age groups and indeed the younger ones as well. But if you were to, if you were to look at it, Bunch them together. It's 15 to 34 is the big problem. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I went down to the market in Blackrock just after 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. No masks, no social distancing. I didn't go in. I think that's a new market, is it, that started up over the past couple of weeks. I saw some photographs of that. Somebody here by text says they went down to it, checked it out and left again. Brookfield was uh, as bad last night. I'm collecting my daughter this evening. It's ridiculous. Way too many mixing from different counties. When you say I'm collecting my daughter, you're taking her away and she's going to go to college from home. Is that it? People think they are the, people think they are the guardie watching who has no mask on. What are we as a society becoming? Uh, morning, you close off the off licenses. There are too many parties going on, says Kieran. Somebody said, Last week, somewhere, um, well, there was this discussion going on about, like, why isn't anybody talking about the elephant in the room here, which is the off-licenses and the drink aisle in supermarkets and the slabs and the cases and the boxes that you can buy and take away with you and adults can win and buy them for kids and all sorts of stuff like that. Close the off-licenses. That was the general mantra going about. And I was amongst them, actually. I, I always found it really strange that pubs would be under all sorts of restrictions, but then the cheaper alcohol, which you can buy in bulk from half past 10 in the morning or 11 o'clock all day long is in supermarkets and off licenses and there was no control whatsoever there and you have house parties and you have you know lots of drinking fests but somebody then said yeah but if you close the off licenses and if you close the drink aisle in supermarkets isn't it going to lead to more drug abuse that people will then uh, turn to um, you know might turn to uh, tablets or turn to cocaine or turn to amphetamines and things like that when they can't get alcohol. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Uh, pick up the phone, one 106 text 0868-104-106. Thank you. Somebody just sent me uh, a copy there of UCC Freshers Week, a flyer that was sent, sent around by uh, the Student Community Support Group, part of the Students' Union, I'd imagine. Um, many, many people up around the Bandon Road and College Road got these leaflets uh, through their door with a helpline number on it ahead of Freshers Week this week uh, and it was also uh, outlining uh, how students should behave during Freshers Week this week like clean up the rubbish bins that might be knocked down uh, get onto the guards if there's any antisocial behaviour uh, get onto the guards if there are house parties this is the residents you know and as well as the students I suppose um, uh, assist students in distress clean up the bottles and cans and fast food wrappers from the streets this was um guidelines to students that might be out for a freshers week or they see a bit of carry on and I suppose also for residents to call the guardie if they see antisocial behaviour 
or say, um, you know, here of house parties to call the Garda Shikona. And then there's a helpline number that came with this with this flyer as well. But the person who sent it to me also said, um, we got these in the door, in all our doors in the Bandon Road on Friday. We do every year for Freshers Week and Rag Week. Uh, this is ridiculous that this will be going ahead for the week. Uh, there's now current, it's now currently 10.25 in the morning. So um, I got this 15 minutes ago. It's now currently 10.25 in the morning and the queues are beginning for Annie Max and Sissy Young's on the Bandon Road. Uh, can't come on air. It's getting busy now, getting to go to work myself, but I'm one hell of a very angry resident. So queues beginning already at Annie Max and Sissy Young's on the Bandon Road. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's it going? Good. Thanks for holding. Um, you want to no pick worries. up on this? Well, first of all, I just want to say uh, to your last comments, please, please don't be talking about closing the off licenses on behalf of myself and all the other uh, mothers out there who had to try and convince their children to stay in during all of this. I really needed a glass of wine at the end of every day, so I would just, out of my cold, dead hands, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I feel your pain. But how could you have pubs under restrictions, as they have been for the last six months, and not even a feather duster touched the uh, off-license trade? Nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, look, I mean, they, you know, they, I think it's, I, I think, as far as I understand, most off-licenses would be kind of, uh, trying to be as responsible as they could as well, you know. I mean, my, anything that I, 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 I've witnessed is a few times that you'd see pe- young people going in trying to buy a drink and they'd be turned away, you know. So, look, I suppose... Okay, so forget, forget, about, forget about off-licenses then. The same surely can't be said about the multiples um, with their aisles of alcohol where anybody can go in at any time of the day and buy drink for their, for themselves or on behalf of others. Very cheaply. I mean, please explain to me why that's okay at a time when the headlines are saying socializing is fueling a new lockdown. Please explain that to me. Yeah, well, look, okay. So my my bottom line in all all of this and and what I'm hearing all morning on your show is, you know, there's a blame game going on. And at the end of the day, like, we need to work together in this. We're all in... you know, people are trying to run their own businesses, you know, like social workers, they've been trying to stay, you know, trying to stay on top of things the whole way through. You know, we're all responsible for ourselves and, you know, like, do you know what I'm, I'm trying to say? Like, I know that. I've heard that for six months. I understand all of that. I know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, there's, there's wear your mask and wash your hands. Like, but, but anyway. Exactly. But listen, yeah. Exactly. But, wear a mask and wash your hands. But yeah, look, I, I suppose the one thing that I have, that I would have to put my hands up to is that like, when you're in a social situation and the drink is flowing, the social distancing does go. So I think we should all try and be responsible ourselves and not go overboard on the drinking. But, um, because yeah, the, the, the spikes, yeah. the spikes are because of people not doing what you're saying when the when the drink is in, cop on goes yeah. out the window. Yeah, so, it's true. It is. It's true to a certain extent. But my God, banning the drinks like I'm, we're we're total nanny state. And do you know what? I I think that for might two weeks actually, for two weeks. Yeah. No. For two weeks. No, please no. Because you know, like I I was on to you in March. They said that they were only going to sco- close the primary schools for two weeks, and look what happened. Six months. Do you know what I mean? Imagine a, a world without drink for six months. Neil, 
Not for... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'll be stocking up. Uh, no, but um, uh, I, I think I, I think there's, there's a key issue here for everyone to, to recognise, and that is that we need to all start trusting each other. And I'm going to mention the, the marquee in the north side, and uh, there was mention that it was a traveller family and stuff like that. Like, we need to have empathy for people who... This year, I think the most important thing is that, you know, that we have discovered is the importance of family and the importance of humanism and togetherness. Yeah. And if, if we're, you know and giving out about people, you know, close the off licenses because people can't handle drinks, you know, come down hard on the communions because they can't obviously handle themselves. You know, it's the reason why the anti-mask protesters came out. They think that... No, it's not a great phone line. You said the anti-mask protesters came out. Why? The anti-mask protesters came out because the government have an ulterior motive to because of anti-vaccine reasons and all these stupid reasons. And, and really, at the end of the day, you know, if we... Tr- if well, wait a second now. I'm, I'm, far, I'm far from a conspiracy theorist. Well, not most yeah. of the time anyway. But, but I, I do believe in democracy and I do believe mm-hmm. that certainly people are entitled to an opinion and they are entitled yeah. to air their views. What has happened now because of social media, right, is that yeah. the minute you do... You get absolutely savaged, you know. Mm. So you yeah, you may not agree with people who don't agree with the way things have been handled over the past six months, but surely be to God, they're entitled to have some kind of an opinion, even though it doesn't agree with yours. Well, yeah, I, I suppose without calling them st- like, without calling them but, stupid. Yeah, but you see, this is the thing. I I like they they different groups have come out of the woodwork, including the travellers. Lives matters. The parents, the you know the the under twenty five now are under the limelight with the the latest figures going up, and you know I don't think that's the solution. I think it's that you know we need to understand that you know again in this together that we all need to be trusted to be responsible for ourselves. So saying something like closing down the off licenses or closing down the pubs again or shutting down the schools again. You're, you're victim, or so you're blaming certain groups. And, and really, what we need to do is we need to try and kind of come together with a sort of a transparent, uh, in a sort of a transparent way. Am I, am I using the right word? Transparent way that we, we see, okay, this is where there's a pocket of num, a pocket of COVID cases. I mean, it's not an STD meal. Do you know what I mean? It is. It is. It is. It is. It is. It's a socially transmitted disease. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I was talking about the other type of STD. I know what the type you're talking about, but it is a... It's socially transmittable from person to person. So doesn't that make it... Well, maybe not a disease. That's not the right word for sure. It's something to be ashamed of. Like, it's something that you can get from... Giving a hug as opposed to having the ride, like yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like there, yeah. there is it's, a difference. Yeah. It's not a mean? disease okay. in itself; it is an illness and a sickness. So it's a socially transmittable sickness. Yeah, and look, people are really worried now. But I, you know, like at the end of the day, we we kind of knew that this was this was coming. Like the flu season is coming back in. We all just like you you've been saying, wear a mask, wash your hands. You know, and and try and keep away from people. But you know, blaming people like that marquee up on the north side, 
you know, like as people were pointing out. So people are entitled. Like, people are entitled to blame somebody who puts up a marquee in the middle of a green area and invites 150 or 200 people to party all day and all night with wagon wheel on repeat, huh? But the wagon, you know, the wagon wheel on repeat was down in another place. Yeah, well, it? wherever. I mean, I'm giving you examples of different. Marquee. Like it's all very well, but I wouldn't fancy it, would you? Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. But what I'm saying is, is that like I, I, I think I don't know, like are kind of speculating that those two things were linked. The the DJ set with Wagon Wheel was down in another place. It doesn't matter where. I'm just saying, like you you are entitled to blame people when you see that kind of carry on yeah, but, for us going like, into. A lot of, it's a big waste of negative energy. Like you know, shouldn't we all try and be kind of coming together in this and saying, Do you know what, fair play, traveller. You know, the travellers are they're they're. Um, their, their value for their family is very strong and, you know, maybe that traveller family wanted to bring all their family together in an outdoor situation in a marquee and they use the green outside. You know, like... Fiona, I'm, listen I'm, to I'm, yourself. I'm, Would you listen to yourself? Like, it'd be different if they went around and asked all of the other neighbours in the area, listen, would you mind if we put up a marquee and put 200 yeah, people in I, there yeah, all night? You, we'll you know, you know as much as anyone else, there there is a rift between... That's not. Uh, we'll say, uh, you know, the, the country people and the traveller people and stuff. Like, like you can say that it's okay for travellers to have a marquee because they value family more than others like that. Like, no, no, but I'm, I'm saying that, it, you know, if it was like an outdoor situation for a communion and otherwise they would have had it in a hotel, but they can't have it in a hotel. It's now, two fingers, I mean? like, that's what it is. It's two fingers. Well, yeah, but I mean... <sighs> Again, like I say, we're you know we're all in this together. There is a huge rift, and, and look, the other thing is is that you know people in Limerick have been giving out about the travellers in Rathkeel. There's there was a huge incident incident of uh, large numbers of COVID cases amongst them as well. But again, it's it's like you know COVID doesn't care who you are. It's it's going to come after you, and I I just think kind of. Everyone giving out about the travellers on the radio isn't going to make travellers turn around and say, oh, OK, we're going to behave ourselves now. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, what... Yeah, what but the guards... The guards could... come together and say, look, it's not working. Yeah. The guards could, yeah. I'm just... I, I, to be honest with you, I'm also questioning where the guards are in all of this. All right, well, I'll pick um, up with seen, them. I'll pick up with them yeah, in the morning. Yeah. OK, That's thanks, true. Fiona. Appreciate it. <laughs> Text 0868104106. A voice note. A voice note came in to me this morning on, on WhatsApp. Uh, can I see just the piece? on that. It's a voice note on house parties, apparently. Uh, have a listen to this. We have the same issue. We're living in um, an estate on the South Douglas Road and there's a house at the top of the park and they have teenagers, um, teenage boys, and there's always been issues with house parties and they bring all their friends over. They go out the back garden and when I say screaming and roaring, I mean screaming and roaring like I had loads of house parties back in the day when I was in college but at a certain time I always you know told people to turn down the music and to move to the side of the house that wasn't attached to the neighbours but this crowd like and you can hear the other neighbours around them shouting out like to be quiet and that and we've had to call the guards on them a few times um, but two weekends ago they had another house party and like if when I look out my bedroom window I can see into their back garden and the amount of kids they had in there now, well, they must, there was definitely about, I'd say, 20, 15 to 20 people. And they're blaring the music, and they're out in the back garden screaming and roaring again. Um, 
called the guards in Toker. Uh, it took me a while to get through to them. They said they would send a car out two hours later, still nothing, tried Anglesey Street, no answer. Um, had to actually ring 999 to try and get through to a guard and was told that they are so under pressure due to the amount of house parties that are going on. The, the party went on for hours because there was no guards available to come out and it's happening all the time. But uh, like, I, you know, you don't want to go up and kind of confront people because you don't know what type of person you're going to be confronting or putting yourself in danger, especially if you live in the same estate with them and your neighbours, you know. You don't want to be drawing the wrong type of person on you. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to cluster at the top of my estate. You know, I have a, a five-month-old and a six-year-old at home. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, there's no... Um, there doesn't seem to be any really clear guidance from the government or even the guards on what can be done. Like it should, I don't understand why they just don't make it illegal for people to have house parties like that. And there should be something put in place for you to be able to um, report house parties as well. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. Trying to check things as best we can. There was uh, stuff sent in there earlier on about people queuing already up in the Bandon Road outside Annie Max and Sissy Young's. Seamus uh, travelled over there in the last 10 minutes and there's nobody there. Your long queues, my eye. In fact, neither establishment is open and there's nobody outside them. Maybe it's a little bit early, but uh, somebody who said that they saw them out there. Not true. Fake news. Meanwhile, just to clarify, because there are different markets, and I had a a text come in earlier on from somebody who went to a particular BlackRock market at the weekend, and I just read that one out for you. Let me just grab it here again. I went down to the market in BlackRock just after 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. No masks, no social distancing. Uh, I didn't go in. So I asked the lads to check, the lads to check, what do you mean go in? Um, was that indoors or outdoors? And it was the outdoor market by the pier that that person was referring to. Didn't go to the outdoor market by the pier uh, because he just didn't feel safe. There is a second one, or at least there was, which was the marina market, which was the indoors market. It opened its doors last uh, Sunday week, yesterday week. It was due to take place again uh, this weekend, gone and into the future, but it's now been cancelled until further notice. Um, and John called to say that he did call the guardie Saturday night about a marquee in Onslow Gardens and he made a complaint about noise at a quarter to 11. Guardy arrived at midnight, went into the house and came back out again five minutes later. The music was turned on once again the minute they left. He says this kind of anti-social behaviour um, shouldn't be tolerated and they are council tenants and should be automatically evicted. Um, I don't I don't have enough time to put Anne on the air this side of 11 so if you could just hold off on that that would be great but we're at we're at level two so when you look at you look at people visiting your home or your indoors or your outdoors the way we're at right now at level two is that you can have six people from two or three households in your house right so that's in your house then with regards to you know like your, your garden and things like that so level two says six people from two or three different households um, a gathering from outside of the home is six indoors and 15 outdoors, right? 15, that's six indoors, 15 outdoors. And then we know about weddings, which is 50 and and different events that can be organized and what have you, which stands at, uh, you know, 50 as well. And then outdoor sporting events, 100. So if we move to level three, um, that would change things considerably. So automatically with level three, you would have uh, only people from one other household, yeah? Uh, And you'd have no social or family gatherings um, whatsoever, like in, you know, the garden would be out, just be nothing, and then weddings would be slashed as well to twenty-five people. Uh, indoor events then would be 
you know, you'd be looking at your pubs having to change the way they do business and restaurants having to change the way they do business, uh, matches and events and, and things like that. There would be, it would be possible to get food, but there'd be all sorts of restrictions to indoor dining of that, you can be sure. Um, so that, I know it's confusing because you've got all of these different levels, but we're currently at two. Uh, other counties now are at three and there's a chance by the end of the week. I don't see anything changing to stop it happening that we will also move to level three. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. And you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Although it's great that pubs are opened again, and whilst most seem to be managing it quite well, says Kian, there's an establishment in the city in the city that has had a queue of people going up the street all weekend and groups gathered outside when they haven't been able to get inside. Uh, if they have reached capacity, then they should be advising people to move on instead of hanging around and queuing up like they do. 18 to 21 year olds seem to be the age group and they don't seem to care at all outside about social distancing. Garni, Gardini need to be more visible in the area and they should move people on when they can. It's situations like this that will cause cases to spike and other pubs and businesses will ultimately feel the brunt of it. Well, they might well do by the end of this week, but you don't tell me um, the establishment that you're referring to. You say um, most seem to be managed quite well. There's an establishment in the city that has a queue of people going up the street all weekend long and groups gathering outside waiting to try and get in. Uh, Where? Um, You know, like where? But it certainly would then make sense to me if that kind of stuff is going on as to why we have um, an increase in Cork or as Dr. Uh, Macho O'Toole is saying, an upward trajectory, which means that we will move to level three um, if this pattern continues. And yeah, I think it's possibly even too late at this stage to stop it. Um, and that inevitably by the end of the week, we will move from level two to level three. Dr. Matt joins me by phone. Matt, good morning. Good morning and thanks for having me. Not at all. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's a good intro actually, that short email, isn't it? Regarding uh, some of the super pubs with queues outside them. Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, I mean, certainly in Dublin at the moment, you know, the pubs are closed and, and the big problem we're having in Dublin here is, and I know all the focus has been on the pubs and the, and the restaurants, but actually what I'm seeing as a GP is that people really are, are socialising in their own houses more and more. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see in Dublin if the numbers start to stabilise, because as you know, the, the pubs and the restaurants are closed here, but we still haven't seen the numbers. They've stabilised, but they're certainly not going down, you know, okay. and I suspect it's the same in Cork. Okay. Why do you think that? or have you studied as to why Cork is on the upward trajectory like it is? Yeah, well, I think it's the same as Dublin. Uh, I think that uh, I think Dublin has a big population, but it's, we're all following the exact same pattern. Uh, Donegal obviously is an exception, but if you look at the problems at the moment, the hotspots of the cities. So you're, you're looking at Dublin, Cork, Limerick, and Galway. I think Cork is coming very close behind Dublin at the moment. I think it's we've we've a dense population, uh, and I think that we've a higher density of people, more pubs, more restaurants, and as I said, the people are just socialising uh, more than ever. So I think Cork is just maybe following three or four weeks behind Dublin, and I think if you look at the way things are going I think it's 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 like I hope it doesn't happen but I think it, it is somewhat inevitable that Cork will be moving towards level three unless there's a big change the next few days but why now is it because uh, the pubs had restrictions lifted is it yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think, number one, I think, I mean, we, we were very lucky with the summer in that it was very possible to socialise outdoors. So we had actually a really good summer. So m- people were, you know, socialising in the majority of cases outdoors and following the guidelines. I think what we've seen now in the last three or four weeks, the weather has just improved. We've had the return, obviously, of children to school. Uh, and it's kind of 
return, the return to normality, for want of a better word, for the last three, four, five weeks. And I think, you know, people have in some ways dropped their guard. I was certainly seeing that as a GP in Dublin, where when we kind of, when the restrictions were lifted and everything was opened up again, people kind of started behaving as per normal. And the problem is when you behave as per normal, this virus spreads like rapidly. And that's just what we're seeing. So Cork is just no different from, from anywhere else, really, you know. Because the, the schools haven't had an impact statistically. Statistically, they haven't. And I suppose the difficult thing with, with primary schools, for example, is that we know the children don't get sick um, and we know that they don't spread uh, the infection uh, relatively effectively, but there's still areas for us to congregate. So parents are congregating outdoors. You, you know, the children are, I suppose, it, it, they're a vessel to which we socialise more often than ever. So again, when, when I'm talking to patients who have had positive cases, they're, the kids aren't positive, but actually what the parents are doing is they're interacting with each other at the school gates. They're meeting more often than ever. They're bringing the kids to training. So I suppose it's just, it's leading to an increase in, in the number of social interactions, which is, as we know, the big problem at the moment. Okay. So it was almost like a psychological thing. A switch went off in our heads thinking, oh, it's grand now. We're getting back to normal now. We can get on with our lives. Yeah, and I, I think people saw, you know, when, when things like the pubs and the restaurants opened, yeah. you know, there was basically no restrictions that, that we were back to normal. But I suppose the reality is that the new normal, and I hate to use that term, means that we need to actually, when we reverse the restrictions, to adhere to the rules more than ever. Because if you think of the restrictions, what the restrictions are, they're basically imposing restrictions on us. And when those restrictions are reversed, what the government is depending on is each and every one of us to do what we're supposed to do. And when we don't, they impose the restrictions back on us. So as I said, in Dublin... Um, we, you know, with the guidelines just weren't being followed, uh, and the government took that power away from us and imposed restrictions on us again. So you're right; we just got complacent. What is what is level three in Dublin like then, with regards to socialising? If it happens in Cork, what are we likely to see with regards to? Because it's very confusing, even reading the different levels where we're at now and the different restrictions. But like, what what will it be like at the end of the week? So, like, I mean, in Dublin, certainly the city centre is much quieter. So what we've seen is, although pubs and restaurants are allowed to do takeaways, they're just not because it's just not viable for them. Um, so you have some restaurants doing takeaways, but a large number of stars. The streets are, are, are relatively quiet. People are working from home as much as they can. Um, and as you know, there's, there's no outdoor events, there's no matches, there's nothing like that. So people are, again, being forced into their homes. So socialising uh, officially is dramatically reduced. Um, but what I'm seeing, unfortunately, as a GP, is that because people don't have these social outfits, they can't go to the restaurant, they can't go to the pubs. It's not that they're just sacrificing their social lives completely. What they're doing is socialising at home. So that's why I was saying it's going to be very interesting to see if the numbers actually stabilise because this is a very different beast from what it was in March or April. In March or April, everybody was on board and everybody was following the guidelines to the end degree. I'm not really seeing that as much this time around. Okay, so it's like out of the fat and into the fire, is it? Yeah, I mean, what might be concern initially when the pubs were open was, as you know, they brought in very strict restrictions that the pubs had to be closed at 11 o'clock. And what I was seeing in, in patients that were contacting us with symptoms that ended up being positive, what they were doing was they were going to the pubs and then at 11 o'clock, they weren't going home. They were looking for other uh, avenues that supposed to continue to drink and continue to socialise. And they were basically going to each other's houses. Just was my concern with removing that social outlet, that pub and that restaurant from people. It's not that people are just going to stop socialising. They're just going to do it in uncontrolled environments. Now, I hope that doesn't happen, but I think human nature would be that we will have to have that social outlet, even if it's once or twice a month. And because we can't do it in controlled environments like pubs and restaurants, that, that may, I suppose, force us uh, a bit like prohibition in the United States, force it kind of into our own homes, you know.
Yeah, I'm just kind of interested. Do you have conversations with people then who you've just described who went to the pub, stayed in the pub until they had to leave, and then went to house parties and tested positive? Like, how do they feel about that? Are they annoyed with themselves? Um, there and I suppose we, we do I suppose as, as GPs what we've been trying to do I mean I'm a GP in Rana and Dublin what I try to do is to have just conversations with people just so that I know kind of where the sources are so obviously we have a team of contact tracers and they're you know they spend their whole day trying to figure out where people are, are, are picking up these infections I think we saw in Donegal the GPs are doing the same thing and they were able to really you know identify three or four massive events that led to clusters so we, we're kind of doing the same in Rana so anyone that contacts us that ends up being positive we have a conversation with them, I have to say people are completely open with us and they tell us exactly where they felt that it, it, it happened um, I suppose look, they're very honest with us which I welcome and they're very factual about it and they say look, um, you know I was at a gathering I, I was at a dinner or whatever and then you know we went to, uh, to someone's house afterwards and, and it was someone who was at that house ended up being positive so it was a gathering and for us it's useful because we're able to identify it um, but look we don't judge as I said it's not my, my role to judge I know my, that. Job is, yeah, my, yeah. My, my role is to make sure that they get but isn't did I read somewhere last week that there's a cohort of people who are COVID positive but telling nobody about it? There is and that's that's the biggest problem of all. So like what we don't want is people who are positive and telling nobody and just carrying on as normal because they're what we call super spreaders. So they're the people that are infecting large numbers of people. So you know if you did decide to go to a party, to be honest I don't care. What I care about is that you give me a call because then you're doing the responsible thing and then you're self-isolating. You know those who are causing us the biggest degree of anxiety is people that are aware that they're positive and are continuing on with their lives because they're the ones that are causing huge problems. So is there, a, there, is there an equal chance then if we move to level three at the end of the week in Cork that Dublin would move to level four? Yeah, so I think, as I said, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, the numbers the numbers nationally that were very high it was 400 cases yesterday, over 50 in Cork alone and 200 in Dublin. So, like, they're not stabilising like we were expecting them to. But it'll be Thursday, Friday of this week before the restrictions which were introduced will really take effect. I think if we don't see the numbers stabilising, the difference between level three and level four is that level four, you're not allowed to have anyone over to your house. So it's a significant escalation. And I think if the numbers don't stabilise, I think Nesset will have no choice at the they've closed the pubs they've closed the cafes they've closed the restaurants the problem will therefore be in people's homes and they'll have to take that next step but that'll be a huge step we're not trying to crack a nut here with a sledgehammer are we people aren't dying no, I mean, we're not, but I suppose the, the, the big concern is that, and I know I keep coming back to this, is that the reason why we have to behave this way in Ireland versus, I mean, Germany's continuous use example is because we we just can't handle any surge in the health service whatsoever. So if you look at Germany, they have much laxer rules, but the reason is that they have five times the capacity to deal with any surge in cases that could present the five times number of ICU beds that they have here in Ireland. If you look at Cork and CUH, they're already pretty full. So if you were to lead to an outbreak and a large number of cases what you would see over the course of the next few weeks is a slow increase in hospitalizations and a slow increase in the people in, in intensive care and in the case of CUH what had happened is the whole hospital would be devoted to treating COVID and then the people who are having heart attacks and strokes and other problems wouldn't get the, the degree of treatment that they need so the problem comes back to the fact that we don't have enough beds, we don't have enough doctors and we have a poorly resourced hospital system which is why we need to lock down harder than our European counterparts. Okay, what's because I know you're quoted in the in the mirror this morning where you talk of things like Halloween, you talk about Santa Claus, you talk about Christmas. Do we need to be thinking about these things now? 
We do, and, and so the reason I'm saying that is like I, I have children coming into me obviously every day of the week at work, and it's at the moment it's the number one question I'm being asked is what what is Halloween going to look like? And I think we just need to have that conversation with children just to manage their expectations and to avoid disappointment because it's going to be very different. And I think if we have that conversation with children now, it just allows us to manage that expectation. I think the big problem with children is they're being told they can't meet their friends, they can't go to training, they can't do this. But Halloween is kind of you know uh, an outlet that they're looking forward to. So I think it's important that we say to them, look, the Halloween it's going to happen but it's just going to be a bit different uh, and in terms of different I think obviously we're not going to be able to have people over to the house I mean whether you're in level 2 or level 3 you can have a maximum of 6 people over and trick-or-treating is a particularly risky uh, risky event to do and it's just about modifying it so the CDC in the United States the Centre for Disease Control it's recommended that we do modify trick-or-treating which is that basically you have you know treats maybe you know 2 metres or 6 foot away from your front door you can open the door you're not exactly interacting with children face to face but that they still have some degree of a positive experience this Halloween. Or put up a sign saying, no trick-or-treating at this house, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a flu vaccine clinic in, in, in our clinic on Thursday for people over the age of 70, and I, it was a pretty harrowing experience, to be honest. Most of them hadn't left the house since the start of lockdown. They haven't seen their grandchildren. They're living in complete fear, and I'd ask them, you know, if someone came over to your house to trick-or-treat, they just wouldn't be welcomed, you know? And I just think, again, that that, that is uh, explained to people that there's a large core of people, like I'm sure you know, that are living in their homes, that aren't leaving, and they just will not welcome anyone calling over to their house. I know, it's so sad, isn't it? And then the whole I mean, I don't know where we will be come Christmas time. We'll certainly be in the middle of winter and there'll be all sorts of other sicknesses amongst us. And if this damn thing is still here at Christmas time, what will Christmas look like? Well, look, I mean, I uh, having that conversation with my own mother last night. I'm in Dublin, so obviously my parents live in Galway. I wouldn't be able to go home uh, if Christmas was this week. Um, and uh, myself and my sister live in different households, so under the current rules in Dublin, you can have six people from one household over. So, I mean, if, if we were adhering to the rules, but it would mean that my, my parents would have to choose between me and my sister, uh, which is obviously a very difficult decision for them to make. So, again, it's going to be like a Christmas like no other. Um, my own feeling is that I think the government should come out early and provide some sort of guidelines to people that are workable because I think, you know, you need to have guidelines, particularly around Christmas, the one-off event that people can work with because if they're completely unworkable, my fear would be that people would just flaunt them completely. You mean nationally with everybody on the same page? Yeah, because again, like my, my fear is it, just using that example, like the rules at the moment on level three is that six people can visit from only one household. And if the, if the restrictions are, are as, as rigid as they are, the fear would be that people will just flaunt them, you know? And I think it's particularly around Christmas that we need to find some sort of workable solution. Um, but again, like that would be up to Neffet and I don't envy them for doing that. But again, it, it's like what we've always done. It's about balancing, you know, the, the risk of COVID, but also that we need to kind of continue and live our lives as we're doing. Yeah, because that's a very important thing you've just said then, you know, bearing in mind, wash your hands, wear your mask, but businesses are decimated and uh, I, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel there. Like a texture here says, we need to keep the economy of Cork open. Stop all the scaremongering. Yeah, and look, this is a very real difficulty. So, like, uh, I'll tell you, in Dublin at the moment, I have a lot of patients who are uh, restaurateurs and pub owners, and they're in serious trouble. Um, you know, I think the problem was, as a country, we had thought that it was going to be one lockdown. The lockdown would be reversed and everything would go back to normal. I don't think anyone really thought that this is what the future will hold. And I know some of my colleagues in public health have said, you know, what the future looks like until we have a vaccine or a treatment is a spike in cases, restrictions. The cases then go down, the restrictions are eased, and we have a further 
there's spiking cases. So we're in this kind of cycle of if you want spikes and lockdowns, spikes and lockdowns, that's obviously very good and protective of the health service. But certainly speaking to, to friends who own pubs and restaurants in Dublin, they, they won't be able to, to survive. But it's not just lockdown. pubs and restaurants, isn't it? I mean, it's all it's aspects of retail and it's those that supply the pubs and the restaurants and the suppliers of food and everything else like that. The, the, the hospitality industry, the travel industry, the tourism industry, like there's huge sections of society that are suffering now, uh, you know, because of this. And as I said, at the moment, the focus is entirely on public health. And as a doctor, obviously, I'd have to advocate for that. But, you know, I think we're going to very quickly see that the economy is going to seriously start to struggle. And it's going to be trying to balance that act. Again, as I said, in Ireland, we're restricting, you know, far harder than our European counterparts because we've got such a poorly resourced health service. But there is that risk that will, for want of a better word, tank the economy altogether. And it's the government's responsibility to get that balancing act right. And I don't envy them for having to do that. I think it's inevitable that we will go into level three on, say, Friday, is it? Yeah, well, look, I mean, if you look at, I mean, in, in some parts of Cork at the moment, the, the, the number of cases per 100,000 population, are, you know, they're escalating. Obviously, Donegal is an exceptional case. But if the trajectory continues, they will have to do something to get that under control. And we've seen it with Dublin, we've seen it with Donegal. They really won't hesitate. They've our meeting on Thursday. Um, so the decision will be made on Thursday evening. But why... If you move to level three, right, and you have restrictions and bars and cafes and restaurants for takeaway and outdoor, isn't it? Mm. Why, why yeah. leave the off licenses in the supermarkets? I know I get hammered every time I bring this up and I'm not anti-booze, but why allow that to continue when that's fueling the, the social gatherings? Yeah, and look, I think that's a very good point. So what I saw uh, and what I'm seeing in Dublin at the moment is instead the large amount of restaurants and pubs just aren't opening because it's just not worth their while. Yeah. Dining outdoors is just becoming more and more difficult. And yes, there are mass queues outside the off-licenses. Uh, and look, what, what what is that telling us? Like that's telling us that people, okay, you know, in, in best case scenario, they're drinking alone in their homes, but there is the strong possibility that they are just socializing in their own homes. But the problem is, you said, Neil, it's impossible to police that. And that's human nature. And, uh, and that's going to be very difficult to control. But how come and, medics haven't come out and asked for off licenses and, and supermarket aisles to be curtailed like pubs? So I suppose, I mean, I don't think medics per se have NEFET have, uh, and NEFET have, as I said, have advised particularly that, that the pubs and restaurants be closed. Now we know they have very little evidence that pubs and restaurants are causing problems in Ireland, but they have international evidence that causes that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. As I said, I, I think that if they start to close less of staff licenses, I think they will completely lose the public. Uh, and I think we would get to a stage where it will be an us and them, and I think it's about bringing the public along on a journey. I think if you were to close the off license, I, I generally think that people would just stop adhering to the guidelines altogether. So again, it's about that delicate balancing act. But look, your point is valid. As I said, we're closing the pubs and people are continuing to gather in their homes. But as I said, it, you just can't police that. And what we're doing is asking people to change their behaviour. Whether they will or not is a totally, entirely different thing. Okay, well, let's see what the coming days bring and may have an opportunity to talk to you in the not-too-distant future, Matt. But thanks for taking the call for now. Appreciate it. Dr. Matt O'Toole, he's a practitioner in Dublin and former president of the National Association of General Practitioners. So uh, certainly Halloween at the end of the month would be very different. But I guess other people have bigger fish to fry and that is uh, trying to put food on their tables and get a job or hold down a job or pay their bills. Maybe Halloween isn't, uh, you know, the biggest issue at the moment, but it just gives you an example of how, you know, socially things will change. Halloween for sure, but most definitely if things don't improve. Uh, Christmas. I don't mean to be all doom and gloomy. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM.
Okay, text 0868104106. Uh, I notice we get more voice notes now to our WhatsApp. You can WhatsApp us, same phone number, 0868104106. Follow us and uh, tag us for WhatsApp. Here's another one. Um, I think it's more to do with the off-licenses. Have a listen. Just want to comment on something Neil said earlier about uh, closing the off-licenses for two weeks. Um, I don't think that's enough. I think we should close them for the whole winter, um, maybe even into early springtime, because like it's not a time for celebrating. People shouldn't be drinking at all. We should all be uh, staying home and staying safe. And we should close the off-licenses and prohibit the sale of alcohol. We should also ban the sale of tobacco, because this is a respiratory disease and we shouldn't be selling something that's harmful to people's lungs. So we should ban the sale of tobacco and alcohol alcohol prohibited I just make it completely illegal and criminalise anybody then who takes part in the sale and supply and the consumption of it so if you're caught with tobacco or alcohol you should be punished under the misuse of drugs act because this is a pandemic we shouldn't be using drugs during a pandemic you should criminalise them all Okay, it's an interesting perspective on things. Thank you for that. Uh, I wonder how people would react to uh, banning alcohol for the winter and are you suggesting banning uh, cigarettes um, Completely. Uh, I mean, like, watch the public react to something like that. Anyway, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text and and uh, voice WhatsApp zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. And good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning, Neil, and welcome back. Thanks a lot. I sorry I didn't talk to you before eleven. I just had in time, so go ahead. You're okay. I know you're busy. Right, I was listening to one of your listeners this morning about not closing the off licence. Mm-hmm. Now. If she can't do without a glass of wine for three weeks... She said, out of my cold, dead hand, she said. A cold, dead... I mean, during the COVID, now in the lockdown, Neil, yeah. I'm living on my own, and I had to see my grandchildren through windows. I sacrificed, and she couldn't sacrifice a glass of wine. And all I want to say, Neil, is they should close down the off-license... Because they, I mean, they did close down the off they didn't close down the off license, they closed the churches instead, which we needed churches more now, with this pandemic. Mm. I can't get holy water since um, February. I cannot get holy water. Is that important to you? It's very important to me. I mean, after the Easter, you change your holy water. Right. Which is, is, is so, so important to me. I mean, I did make a cooling. I did my part, because at the start of the pandemic, they said, over 70. No, I'm not over 70, but I'm 68. Right. So I said, stay in then. And then what depends on how healthy It depends how healthy you are, really, you know, isn't it? Well, I know, but like, Neil, I was nervous. You know, I was very nervous because I'm an asthmatic. There, well, that's the thing, you see. Therefore, you were right to do what you did. Oh, I was properly right. I knew, and and all the other people over, like the elderly people, and then what happens? The young people comes out after the off license, going up the road with slabs, 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 and having parties. And you've seen it's all of this, have you? Have you seen this out your window? I've seen it with my own two eyes. Yeah, because I have a CCTV in my sitting room, and I can see looking out, like bringing up the yeah. slabs of, of drinking everything. But to see if they close down the off licenses, there'd be no house parties, Neil. Yeah. And close down the aisles in the supermarkets. Yeah. Sure, so I know. I know, but. Drink. Yeah, but how would people react to that then? Would that be a step too but far? But Neil, I, how did I react not seeing my grandchildren for three months? I mean, I'm living alone. 
So the elderly and those that, like yourself, who aren't too elderly but have underlying conditions, made a huge sacrifice, and it's not too much to ask, to shut down the off-licenses and shut down the drink aisle in supermarkets for a few weeks. Exactly, now that's what I'm on about. Okay. I made a very, very big sacrifice. That seeing my grandchildren who I love so much. I made that sacrifice for the pandemic. And can I, I understand, and you make a very valid point, and thank you for it, but what would you, what do you use, I'm just curious as to what do you use the holy water for? Well, I, like, I won't ever be in my, in my home without holy water. I bless his people every night, Neil. How? I bless his, from the holy water fund in the hall. I bless my family, my children. In person, is it? Yeah, yeah, like I put my hand in and bless my family to keep them safe. Yeah. I'm doing that all my life. Even though they're not with you, you, you do this? I do that. I remember my late son, the Lord of Heaven, from he died suddenly a year and a half ago in Neil. Oh. He was a corporal in the army. Handsome young man, oh, a handsome young man. And I remember the first time he went to the Lebanon. And I was talking to, I lived near St. Patrick's um, Hospital, the old one. Yeah. And I met a nun one day and she, she saw me crying. She said, what's wrong? I said, my son is over in the Lebanon. I'm worried. And she told me, put my hand into the holy water fund and just they say, put that over your son. And it would land in your son. Oh, so, like splash it from your fingers out into the splash air. It from my fingers and, and it landed in them. And I have great, great faith in it. No, I can't get no holy water. Right. Right. And do you mind I mean, me asking what happened to your poor son? He is a sudden death syndrome. He just dropped down dead. I found him dead in bed, Neil. My only son. I'm heartbroken, Neil. Heartbroken. How old was he? 46. Oh, for God's sake. And you lived together I, I happy. I thought old. he was asleep. I went up to call him. And um, he was uh, he was dead in bed, Neil. And I never in my whole life forget it, Neil. Oh, dear. And every minute of every day, my heart is broken, Neil. You see, I didn't see a man of 46 in that bed. I saw my child, Neil. I know. My baby, my firstborn child. I didn't see a man. (sighs) And you're hugging him like a baby. Did you try to wake him? I did. I said, wake up. Please wake up. I beg God to give him back to me. But I was being selfish in that respect now. Why do you think God did that? God wanted him more than me. He, God gave him to me. And God take him back. And you can... You're, you, you understand that, do you? I understand that, I do. I mean, I know now he's very happy because his father died 14 years ago. And he's with him. And he I had know no, he's happy up there. And he had no warning signs or anything? Nothing. He just... he, I was, no, I, I was, I used to have his name. I was chatting him off the bed. And next I went up to call him. And he was asleep. I thought he was asleep, Neil. And um, I should beg a pardon, Neil. I thought he was asleep. But he was um, in the bed, date. Never, like, every minute of every day... Neil, my heart is broken. My heart is broken. And when I see them people going up at slabs and I'm doing my my duty 
the pandemic. And then you must have fierce faith altogether. I have very good faith, Neil. It keeps me going. That's the way I was brought up. I mean, there was ten of us in the household. Twelve to get include my parents. Because it must be a wonderful thing to have that faith, in spite oh, in spite me. of the awful tragedy of losing your baby. Because he'd always be your baby to you. He's always my baby. Your faith allows you to believe that you will meet him again. And I will someday when God takes me. And I'm ready to meet him when God takes me. Are you in a bit of a hurry to meet him and your husband? No, no, at the moment, no, I don't want to see him away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have grandchildren out, like, to, um... I know. For a while, but I, I, mean, I know I'd love to see him now, but I'm not ready yet to see him. But you probably talk to them. Oh, I talk to him every night, yeah. I, I mean, I have his picture in my in my room, where I, um... I, well, I, I live in the kitchen, mostly the kitchen, come down, come down, you know, and I have his picture there, and I talk to him every night, and I pray for him every night. And then what I did, like... Which I think some people might find it strange. He had his—he was a great man for his clothes. No, he loved his clothes. And he liked loved his style. Yeah, he loved his, his style. style. Yeah, you yeah. always remind me of him when I see you. Hair of plumaster. And I, he had a favourite T-shirt, Neil, and I wrapped that around me every night in bed. Oh, yeah. my comfort blanket. And I've cried every night since he died. How long has he gone now, sorry? Night. How long? Is it over a year? It is a year. And it, it, it's become up now the 28th of November, just before Christmas. First anniversary. Yeah. And um, I'm heartbroken, Neil, heartbroken. But like that, I have faith. I have great faith, Neil. And have you kept everything that he, that was his, like his room? I've and kept everything. Inside the front room now, I have a little table with his life story. When he passed out in the army, when he became a corporal, when he was in the Lebanon. He's Anfield. He's United Nations hat. You know, I have all that. Have you it all Marty laid Pedro. out, you have? I have, and he used to love Marty Pedro because he was the image of Marty Pedro. Handsome lad, then. He was handsome, real. Now, every blackboard thing is around the whitest, <laughs> but he was handsome. And I have that table there now, and Marty Pedro's next to him and everything, and his two sons, his two handsome sons. Oh, God's sake. But he wasn't married, no, Neil. Show her arm, what's that big deal there? there? Next to him there on the table. Everything, his car keys and... It's like a... Taekwondo, he was in the Taekwondo as well and he won trophies in Italy and I have all them on the table there. And in spite I, of all of that, you still believe in a better world to come? Oh, a much, much better. Much better world. I do believe in it, Neil. I have great faith in God. An old lady. And would I you like really some? Have. Would you like some holy water? Because I'm getting inundated here with texts from people who have, who have holy water. Some of it is not holy water. Is that more powerful? Well, any holy water is powerful to me. Once it's blessed. But how? I mean, like I'm amazed at your at your faith that you were told splash holy water; it'll keep everybody safe. You did all the things you were asked, and your son was taken yeah. from you. I, but he was. But she didn't go always and not always. Yeah, no. Yeah. Go always and not always. God wanted him. God gave him to me and God took him back. Yeah. And are you still cocooning? I I am. I am, yeah. Do you go out I at am. all? No, although I went out now last week, all right, because 
you know whose birthday it was? I went out for a meal to the um, the Elm Tree. That was Lovely. my first night out. It was my partner, Moses. Ah, Moses, my old buddy. He was sixty, my and he's so good to me. He is because he's Neil, a... he is he's my rock. Yeah, and my two daughters, Mary and Claudia. And you felt yeah. okay then going out that night because you just stayed in your own little group. We did. We stayed yeah. in our own group. Yeah. And we were home and all that happened, which was lovely, Neil. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't have gone out no if it wasn't Jim's birthday. Yeah. So you're not alone all day, every day, then? you have. No, I'm not alone, no. You no. have the great man himself, the great Moses. Yeah, but we don't live together, Neil. I know, but he's you're looking he after each other. He lives across the road from me. Yeah. <laughs> that's our relationship. That's, a, gr- is, that's is, a great way to get a relationship fabulous. to survive. <laughs> it's fabulous having a relationship like that. He's living across the road in his house and I live in the mine. It's like I said to my wife yesterday, yeah. I said, after two weeks with me now, I'd say you're going to be sick to death of looking at my face. And of course she said no, but I don't know whether she was telling me the truth or not. <laughs> I, I doubt it. <laughs> As a woman, I doubt it, Neil. As a woman. We <laughs> oh, know. But me. I think the off-licenses should be definitely closed. And they should have not closed the churches. We needed more than ever before. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you back on hold because loads of people want to send you holy water. Um, oh, that's, Neil, that's it'll, lovely. It'll arrive by the truckload, I'd say, by the time we're finished this morning, but it certainly well, will I be. Well, I will use it up because I have so many people to bless every night. I mean, I bless the prisoners as well in prison. I have no one to bless them. I bless them as well. And the people that's crossing the waters to dry land from other countries, I bless them. And the hungry of the world, I bless us. Every night of my life. But your beautiful son, most of all, what's his name? Francis. And Francis is with his dad. He's with his dad. And they're minding each other. And his grandparents, which he loved. But his dad have him now. All right, all right. So who am I to argue to God, like? Listen, give me an old splash tonight as well, will you? I would, of course, Neil. All right, girl. I'd do anything for you. Mind yourself, Anne. Uh, okay. Take care of Thank you so much for taking my call. Not at all. Thanks for calling. Cheers. God bless, Neil. A lovely story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got a, that's just so touching and so moving and so beautiful and so sad all at the one time. Many, many texts coming into 0868104106. Calls like that floor me because I don't expect them. They, you know, we talk, we're come on to, somebody may come on to talk about one thing and then you, before you know it, we're chatting about things that are just it's sometimes very, very sad. And I think one aspect of it is very sad but the um, the power and strength of faith for people who have it that must be an extraordinary thing for I don't have it um, probably did many many years ago but as time goes by of course and you question more and more things your faith falls away from you doesn't it lads and it has with many many people um, anyway maybe I might revisit that topic of conversation throughout the course of the week but you know you talk about society and uh, you know the world that we live in and the, it's a beautiful email that I got in um before I went away, I, I'll, I'll come back to your, your other stuff in a minute, Brenda, if you don't mind. But let me just read this. Um, I won't say anyway, just, just read it. I went for a walk the other day down through Blackpool and my mind and the thoughts were transported back to another time. I grew up in the village of Blackpool and lived on a water lane, now Seminary Road. Um, water Lane is the old name. My memories are nothing but good and they came rushing back in multitudes 
as I went for my walk through Blackpool. I remember Saturday mornings standing by the old Glen Hall and waiting for John the bus driver to take us away and play in some exotic place like Balafihan or Toker and the pride of Glen Rovers would be at stake. Dick's Cake Shop across the road was always a treat after a hectic game and the pastries and cakes were unmatched. I spent my childhood between the Glen Field and Gerald Griffin Street and Mernan's, Joe Max and Hayes' Shop always played a major part in my life. St. John's Square was where we built our bonfires and Tucker's Field or Wembley where football matches passed away the long summers. Madden's Buildings provided the backdrop for games of hide-and-seek and Blackpool Village was always a hive of activity. I remember Tim's Chipper and out the back he also had the first video shop in Blackpool. I remember the saddlery shop and the smell of leather wafting around the street. The toy shop on the top of Shandon Street was an adventure and a special trip for birthdays and other events. And this place brings back so many happy thoughts. Buying candy apples up the street from the North Prez. And later the chipper down the street would give us sustenance on a lunch break from the Mon. A special carton of chips, a fritter and a laden of curry for 50p. Those were the days. Murphy's huge chimney stacks and Denny's cellar with its echo up the hill will go down in folklore and again... The memories are special. Blackpool is now a pale shadow of what it once was. And I was sad to see now on my walk so many derelict and run-down buildings. But each brick spoke to me. And each building whispered so many magical, wonderful times where children grew up and Blackpool was good to us. I remember all the wonderful special characters that no longer frequent the village. But every now and then I bet they take a stroll and stop off in the pantry, maybe, for a chat. I am thankful for some special, treasured, never-forgotten days. Uh, Neil, I know you know Blackpool. and were born there originally. So this is just a trip down memory lane for you as much as me. I posted this on Facebook on the page Old Photos of Cork City and County, and it got a fantastic reaction. So many people have wonderful memories of Blackpool, which is now a sad and pale shadow of its once proud past. Stay safe, Trevor O'Callaghan. I thought that was an amazing piece of prose, and I think, I think he, he wouldn't mind me saying it. That it would give Conal Creedon a run for his money, Trevor. It's beautifully written, and of course, it's spoken from the heart. And you are right. Many of these things that you speak of, I know from my own childhood. Uh, I know of Hayes' shop, where I'd get, depending on whether I had a penny or well, penny halfpenny or, or tuppence or whatever, that would determine the size of the piece of Chester cake you get. I remember, um, obviously, Mernan's shop because that was uh, the shop that uh, the staff wore these long blue uniformed coats and it was very, very regimented, I think, in the way you did business there and I think there was a chain of command in that shop like shops had in the old days, you know. I remember the chippers, I certainly do. I definitely remember the smell from the saddlery shop. That would be uh, Manley's, the saddlery shop, and the smell of leather wafting around Blackpool. So I remember all of those things and lots more besides. Um, there were other small little shops that are well since gone now. And of course, the chipper, there was nothing like, for me, it would have been Murphy's chipper. Um, and still is any time I'm in the area. Um, there's another little shop there in, in Blackpool also called Neville's Shop. I don't know if you remember it or not, uh, Trevor. Tiny little shop. Husband and wife ran it. You could get anything from an anchor to a needle in there. And they had big blocks of cheese and big blocks of ham and they cut from the block of cheese and the block of ham. And they also, you know, you get your ice cream in there, which would have been 
the little slab that'll be sliced off the big piece between two pieces of wafer, things like that. I remember the candy apples, or the candy apples as you call them, you know, or toffee apples, whatever term people wanted to use at the time. And of course, uh, many of the other issues to talk about, including, not issues, but memories that you talk of, including Murphy's Stack and Denny's Cellar. It's a beautiful piece. It's, I'm sure that people listening who are from the area will remember it. And unfortunately, you are right. It is now a much quieter place. I have to say, of all of the suburbs, I think it has been for generations now the most neglected. It's needed the most help, unfortunately, from our city fathers. It just hasn't got it. Um, but for you, the memories are certainly still there. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you for sharing it. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone at 1850-104-106. If you want to put pen to paper, as it were, you can mail me out here at uh, Red FM. Just Red FM Cork will get it. But the University Technology Park in Curraheen is probably better. And email neil at redfm.ie. Okay, that's the housekeeping out of the way as we drive on from now until Christmas time, lads. All right. Anne, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are now, you? I'm well. Your eldest daughter, Holy Communion, Saturday, is it? Yes. We're due to have our first communion on Saturday coming, yes. So it's quite a tense week at the moment for us because you're watching the numbers. <laughs> Continue. So and, what are, and what are the numbers like now? What have you got, what have you got planned? Uh, well, we're not watching numbers as to who we're having to the house or anything because we're not having any big affair or anything like that. Or so what will you do if things what? don't, say for instance, if well, they don't change? Well, if things don't change, we just have parents and godparents and the grandparents going for a meal. That's what we're having. Okay, and you've um, got it booked and everything. Like, Fine. Yeah, it just frustrates me this morning, the email from the person about the marquee in the city. Um like, that was tiring everyone with the same brush, and, you know, I feel that that's not the case. Um, like, we're practicing Catholics. That person this morning was saying that, you know, everyone just wants to have the big affair and everything like that. Obviously, you want to give your daughter or your son a lovely communion day, but, like, for us, it's not about the bells and whistles, if you know what I mean. Do, do all of the children, I know I'm generalizing now, but do all of the children in all of the classes of communion age actually do their communion, Holy Communion? Uh, in my daughter's class, two are not um, participating in communion right. um, in her class. And they will be included, you know, they're all getting a treat bag. Those two children will be included in the treat bag, things like that, you know. It's it's still very... And do those kids ever wonder, you possibly, you probably don't even know, but do these kids ever wonder as to why they're not part of what's happening with all of their classmates? I'm assuming they do, but like my children queries with me why those children aren't participating in communion. So I explained to her that, you know, they may have different beliefs, things like that. We explain all of those things, which is very important for children to understand now, too, because, you know, everyone's not a practicing Catholic. And we have mixed schools, even though the school may be Catholic, there are still children from other backgrounds, which is extremely important as well. Good answer. We all can't can't believe in the same thing, you know. Um, And everyone everyone has the right in their own beliefs. But I just felt this morning that that person was stating, you know, that we don't practice, that we don't go to mass, things like that, that people only just want the communion for the big day. And that's not the case. But and, you know, it's very important for the children at the moment. Like, my daughter is extremely stressed that she's not getting her communion. Um, you know, that she may not get her communion on Saturday because, you know, everything COVID-related has been so negative. The commentary is constantly negative. You know, we don't have much to look forward to at the moment. This is our new reality. Um, 
So, like, you know, we would have loved to have had the communions in, like, August before they went back to school or even had them on the Sundays or something in order to have them as soon as possible, yeah. you know? Well, the, like, for instance, an example of the panic that people have is communions in Farron Ree that were planned for Saturday uh, are being brought forward to Wednesday and Thursday as a precaution. Yeah, like, we're anticipating we may get a phone call on Wednesday and Thursday stating a communion maybe Friday. And, like, if it is, it is. You know, we, we have something to where we, we will be there. Um, it's just the, it's the not knowing is, is the hardest part for everybody, you know? Mm. And, and like, it's the not knowing regarding everything related to COVID. You know, we're all living in a bubble now of not knowing what to expect. But you, but you can't deny, but you can't deny that there is a percentage or at least a proportion of the children who celebrate Holy Communion this week or whenever, whose parents never darken the door of a church. Oh, there are, obviously. I'm well aware of, you know, I know people who don't go to Mass. They're not practicing Catholics, but their children are, you know, they're still Catholic and they're still getting communion. But, like, that can be, that can be the parents, you know, the, the, the child may not be a reflection of the parents in that case, you know what I mean? Um, like, every family is different. I was brought up in a family where, you know, we did go to Mass every week and I continued on that with my children because I do have beliefs. But, you know, everybody is different and I think we just need to you know, wise up and, you know, not negatively speak about people who don't go to Mass either and their children get communion. It's just, it's, it's kind of come to that point where we just need to, you know, take take kind of that negativity out of it and just, like, give the child, you know, a child, that child whose parents may never have gone to Mass may down the line be a child that does go to Mass, yeah. you know, when they're older or whatever. So it's yeah. not, it's not, it's like, you know, we're all conditioned in some way regarding how we're brought up and what we do is when we're older. And like that, that is being shown now as well in a lot of senses regarding public choice and personal choice, you know, out and about while we have all these restrictions. I understand. In place. Oh, I understand. You and know? you are, you are coming at this from as, as a family of practicing Catholics. Yeah, and we're just, you know, we're yeah. considerate for those around us. We're considerate for our family. We obviously don't want anyone to come out of, you know, our dinner or whatever we're having afterwards and coming away with it and having COVID, you know. Like, we are so considerate of everyone around us. And, you know, we're, we have stuck to the guidelines. We have, you know, abided since March. We, you know, like, we, we haven't done anything out of the way. But I just well, how do you like, feel then when you see people with marquees and 200 people in them? Oh, like that. That's extremely frustrating. It is very frustrating. But, like, you know, a lot of people are, you know, even when it has come to our politicians, it's see as I do, or do as I see, not as I do, okay. you know. Okay. Um, so people have had conflicting, there's been, you know, conflicting behaviours. You know, people have their own personal choice. But I just feel like the children at the moment, people don't understand how stressed some of the children are because all that they are hearing is COVID-related uh, topics, COVID-related conversation, and like it is affecting them deeply, you know. And um, like, this yeah, I, I often, I often worry about you know? people. I, I just get a bit kind of antsy when I hear people throwing the word stress around or anxiety. Uh, you know, like, but you're yeah, telling I me, don't use the word anxiety in my house because I think we use the word very lightly. Around, you know, but I feel my, or I can feel a stress type. I wouldn't say it's anxiety, but I feel my my kids are a bit more tense. Um, oh, I know, I know, and I, and, I know, know, and, 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 and I'm we not, all are because they're feeling it in their parents, they're feeling it from the people around us. All our conversations are COVID related, but I just feel I know, that if we had but, these, like our communion, for example, if it was just if if she was able to make her communion now on Saturday, it would be fantastic. It would be over us 
they can lock down the county then you know what I mean right. I'm just okay. like okay. and like it's first world problem for us I know other people I have friends and family who have lost people during co- during the summer and it was awful and everything well, well there but you so, have it and that was that was kind of my point um uh, I, I know that people have died and it's been tragic. It really and truly has. But where we're at right now, if people have been asked to do simple things, um, like wear a bloody mask and wash your yeah, hands and totally. like this is 2020. I was just thinking about that. 100 years ago in 1920, right? People in Cork were afraid to go outside their front doors for fear they'd be shot dead by the black and tans. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, real yeah. worry and stress and danger to me. And here we are, asked to do simple things, and you have so many Protect people just w- and, and, yeah. and people are messing it up. Oh, I know, I know. Sure, I see it every day myself. But like our own personal choices, as our family, you know, we can only speak for ourselves. But it's awful when you see other people reacting in a negative way that's going to affect everybody else, and that's what's happening. It's the certain few are having the negative effect on everybody else. Okay. You know. Okay. Good luck and for the communion. We're just hoping we can have Saturday and, you know, work towards making it Christmas and trying to make Christmas as well. Well, if they're smart anyway, if they're smart and they do call a lockdown, they'll say from next Monday, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, Because a lot of people, businesses have stock and everything, you know? Oh, yeah, I've plenty of friends who've just reopened bars and things like yeah, that. And, yeah. you know, we've, we're, we're self-employed ourselves and our family. And, like, it is extremely important that we keep the economy going and everything. There's a myriad of other things going on. But, like, we, for, from my perspective, I would love for everyone to just have the cop on and respect everybody else because what you do today is going to impact on somebody else tomorrow. Okay, thanks for that. just move forward like right. that, you know. Appreciate it. Thanks, Anne. Thanks for holding. Happy to get you on the air. Good luck at the weekend. Hope things work out. Our lines will stay open. My apologies. There's an awful lot of texts and emails and different things, but we'll do it tomorrow that you can be sure. Uh, have a good day. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.